Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello, everybody. It's just after 8 o'clock on a Wednesday night. It's Series 16, Episode 39, and this is Midweek Motorsport. And on the pack programme tonight, Tim Gray, we have what? We have all the usual features with an extra emphasis tonight on rallying. Oh, excellent. I was expecting I do like a bit of rallying. Yeah, no. Hooray from me and from Ben Costanduras, who will join us from the French Alps uh, to talk to us about an historic weekend for rallying. And the last, uh, looking forward to the last couple of rounds of the season. And there's quite a bit of rallying news tonight as well. So we'll get... Ben's take on that. What else do we have, Tim? Uh, we'll also be talking with Jeremy Shaw, who uh, at the end of last week announced who the two winners of this year's Team USA scholarship are, and they'll be heading to uh, the UK shortly to race at the Walter Hayes Trophy and the uh, Formula Ford Festival at Brands Hatch. All the way around, I think. I think they, it's the way around. They will, the Brands Hatch will be first. I was just trying to think yeah. uh, what it was called. Um, but it's called the Formula <laughs> Ford It's Festival. only the 50th anniversary, Tim. I know. Nothing nothing important. But it's, it's a long time since I've actually been to one. Me too. Shall we go? Shall we have a works Let's day do out? That. Yes. I think we should have a works day out. That would be very good. Um, uh, very good indeed. Uh, we'll also be talking Porsches. Yes. With the Porsche Carrera Cup North America presented by K- Visit Cayman Islands. Uh, coming into its last couple of events, VIR and then Motul Petit Le Mans. Um, we'll be checking in with Kelly Moss Road and Race to find out what it's like to have uh, a, more than a couple, actually. They've got four drivers who are doing very well this year, and uh, that will be just after 9 o'clock tonight. We'll also be looking forward to VIR this weekend, uh, which is quite a lot of IMSA racing, in point of fact. Uh, and do we have any of the other features? Do we have Deal of the Century? or, or We'll have some other things that I'll squeeze in um, and let them come as a surprise. And also after us tonight at 10 o'clock, it's uh, the October edition of Historic Racing News. Can't wait. And what, do do we know what's on, on the there tonight? All right, you can, you can uh, keep that as a surprise as well. Shall I do some parish notices? Do. I think it's about the right time to do. Michael Hetherington, uh, Mickey Heth. I'm not saying excited. It's a midweek motorsport, dear. Hurrah! Excellent stuff. Thank you. Uh, Andrew Muggeridge, uh, a couple has uh, submitted a couple of ever since I was a young boy, uh, both from WRC, in fact. Uh, hello to PB Helping Graduates, who's listening in tonight uh, with a nod to the sports car news. We've got some big sports car news tonight, which we'll discuss as well. Uh, hello to Matt Endine, to Larry Lee, uh, to Stephen Scott as well, to Dorm75, who's won the biography. Not sure. 
I'll be l- listening live tonight, maybe busy reading. Ah, he's won the uh, Mr. Lamont uh, biography from Tom Christensen. Excellent. Uh, hello to the Sim Racing Bar Steward listening live tonight whilst taking a 1990s F1 car round the 1991 layer of Monza. Why on earth did they get rid of the Retifilio and replace it with a U-Bend? It's a fair point. No EFAs for Brody. Sorry, yes, no EFAs for Brody. Flat four tonight, but 944s don't <laughs> weld themselves. May miss the end. Early start is a training course tomorrow. Uh, and is MM93 truly back? We'll be talking about that in the bike news with Nick in a little while. Doug Amner is listening. Rather sated on pot roast chicken, baby veg, followed by summer fruit trifle creation involved, involving strawberries, blueberries, natural yogurt and cream with chocolate shavings. Well, that sounds very nice. It does. I'm not sure that's proper trifle. I didn't hear any... Uh, there was any no lady's there fingers there, were there? Of sponge, exactly. No sponge involved. Chris Suku, uh, no airfares, busy day, back home for supper. Can't guarantee I can make it through the whole slow show, so I might have to re-listen on the morning stroll tomorrow. Also, uh, no custard was there. No, there was no mention of custard, absolutely no, right. Definitely not very trifle. It's just he, he did say cream with some chocolate shavings. Wow, yes. Uh, Jake Parrott, no AFAs, wondering if Alpine will get to run, father, a gran- run a grandfather GTR LM Nismo for the next two years. Uh, probably not. Right turn lover, AFAs for all the usual reasons, and we understand them. Otter FR, AFAs, coffee with the neighbours. Enjoying the podcast by the time you say this, says Otter. Hello, mate. Uh, Alex Orkin, Phoebe is cooking a creamy risotto. Uh, AFAs, catching up with the first... Uh, after the first 30 minutes or so on my drive to my shh podcast in the morning uh, project in the morning I was out on a shush project actually uh, yesterday which I can't tell you about because it's obviously top secret no if is for me this week listening to Midweek Motorsport Live can't believe it's 29 years since Denny Holm passed away very good point uh, first and only time I've been to Bathurst says Kevin Payne Ian McCarthy uh, no airfares tuning in for the first time in ages. Dinner was a disappointing Italian takeaway delivery. Oh dear. Uh, took too long to get here, showed all the signs of it too. Greeting to, to the collective. Again, I can only offer um, my commiserations. Italian food can't wait. It really, Particularly if there's pasta involved. Has to be fresh and immediate. Uh it's also so easy to in cook yourself. Well, true. Blur Fiend listening in live. Dave Monks, uh, less shush since last week's announcement after that brilliant Rolls-Royce. I still haven't got the date for my Rolls-Royce real-world road test, Dave. Uh, occupying a lot of my time. Catch up on the commute tomorrow. Dave, uh, excellent work, mate. I know how hard you've been working the last few weeks. All, you, all our best. Dills out your bridge. Archive for me tonight. Snowed under at work. Enjoyed the virtual potato mod at the weekend. That was good, wasn't it? Uh, EFAs for Rob Chalmers is the washing machine's died and he's going to take the day's anger out on it. The yellow yelling punctuated with swear words probably drown out the insight and news. Washing machines, hey. Uh, hello to Carol Brink, to Patrick Drawn, to Moni. Oh, internet down for Moni Elysium. So tuned in on the cell phone 
taking work off to prep for the dissertation on Friday. Good luck with that, Monty. Last Hello, one. James. O'd- Sorry? Last one. Eight seconds okay. left. Okay, J- James O'Donnell listening in and looking forward to the show ever since I was a small boy. And Doug Am- Amner, oh, we mentioned Doug. Uh, add spec entertainment, please. Right, uh, I need to say hello to Nick Damon. Good evening, Nick. Hello. Uh, what do we use this music for? Uh, the cow, the, uh, the race for the chase of the cup for the thing. Yes, and also the uh, adopted version of the same uh, in British Superbikes. Yes. Yes, indeed, Tim. That's right. What you mean is... Not off. That's right, mate. Not, Not off. off. Yeah. By the way, can I just say something based on our previous part? If you think you've got it bad when your washing machine breaks down, I have the ultimate nightmare. My Skybox has gone fizzit ping. Uh, it's fizzit ping? Have you got SkyQ? Yeah, you can't record on SkyQ, can you? On the app, you can. You just use the old app. Right. Okay. Because the actual... Q app is only available in Germany. Ridiculously. Yeah. Can you can you not watch on um, Sky Go? I can watch. I can't. I need to record all the F1 coming up. Well, that's fine. You just set it to record. The machine's broken. Oh, okay. How do you know the machine's broken? I just move on. Yes. Uh, quick hello to Sarah Rigby, by the way, who's uh, looking forward to celebrating their 32nd wedding anniversary tomorrow. Congratulations. Yeah, very good. Uh, anyway, so... Is that, uh, sorry, is, it, is that the Lump Hammer and Cable Tie anniversary? The what what? The Lump Hammer and Cable Tie anniversary. No, I think it's the Aston Martin anniversary, isn't it? 32? I'm sure that's a lot more than 32, mate. It's a, 60, it's a diamond by 60. Aston Martin's at 112. So, after Donington, there's only two rounds left of the playoffs. Yes. We were going to do British Superbikes last week and ran out of time. And since then, they've had three, three more races. Um, including a second win of the sea, of the playoffs for Taron McKenzie and a win for Gino Ray. Rhea. I know. It's so it much can't funnier. be Jonathan Rhea and Gino Rhea, can it? It has to be one or the other. That's like Sean Bean or Sean Bean. Sean Bean or Sean Bourne. You, can't be both. Though, it's really, really weird how, how they are both so intrinsically linked to the like runners. Yeah. No, takes a bit of runners. You've got poor old Johnny Ray and, oh, Gino. Yeah. Very good. I like, I like what we did. I like what we did with that. Mm. Yeah, very good. I uh, wonder if Gino a... Ray was named after the Texas Midnight I know, but the, the biggest question of all is, we need a, we obviously need a lady rider called Eileen, and she can come onto the front, can't Very she? good. Like what you did with that. Like what you did with that. Are the Texas Midnight uh, hits are available? <laughs> I don't think they are. I think we've done them all there. <laughs> A, a medley yeah, of their much. hits. Uh, it was a horrible weekend at Donington Park. Uh, it was difficult. Um, I watched quite a lot of it, actually, and I thought they did a really good job. Race Control did a really good job. To a lot of whinging about the surface. It's Donington. Christopher Tate was denying the problem, uh, wasn't right, he? Right. A, a lot of whinging about the surface could be any of the bike events at the weekend. 
Yes. Probably we'll come, apart we'll, from Portimao. We'll come on to whinging about surfaces uh, part two in the second hour of the programme. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, where were you going with the countdown stuff? Uh, so, apparently, there were 13 surface changes on the lap of the Donington Park circuit, including the Melbourne Loop. Lucky for some. Which is... I thought they were only about the non-existent engine uh, jet fuel. Uh, no, and, it's, it's, and... A, it's a change of uh, surface that well, uh, certainly Peter Hickman yeah. was uh, complaining about. Because um, obviously, out, it's the same for everybody. It is the same for everybody. Yes. <laughs> oh, and... thank you, Kevin Schwantz. There, it's just dropped onto the uh, onto our program because you know we could have had that <laughs> later as well. Uh, and there's jet, a big difference between Donington and Court, isn't it? So they're not going to dump it on the uh, racetrack rather than actually keep it in their wings. Or yes, I think, I think there's some, some misconception about how jet fuel's used. Yes, <laughs> it's just paraffin. Let's be honest. It's kerosene, isn't it? Well, same difference, isn't it? I mean, it's all got carbon and hydrogen and oxygen in it, and that's what matters. Greenhousey stuff. Uh, so, so does the air, though, in fairness. Yes, although the air doesn't really have carbon <laughs> in it. Um, Glenn Irwin is 8th with 1,041 points. Josh Brooks is 7th with 1,047. Peter Hickman 6th at 1,059. Danny Buchan 5th at 1,061. Tommy Bridewell is 4th with 1,106. Christy Nidden has 1,112. In 3rd place, Jason Halloran 1,117. And Tamar McKenzie, as we mentioned earlier, leading with 11.27. They're off to Brands Hatch next. Excellent. Yes, and Taren, Taren may well be off to the World Superbikes. Yes. But who might be coming Plug the other the way, Plug the gap Nick? of the ever-waning influence of the Great Britain. <laughs> who might be coming the other way? I assume that Leon will, because Leon. Leon's out of a job. Leon has, Leon has Yeah. It's not what I've got written on the card. Oh, go on, then. When you're on the card, tell me. Tom Can't Sykes. Mm, they're still trying to get a third BMW for him mm. because the fact is that Miles Michael Van der Mark did actually win a race this weekend, the sprint race. Uh, prior to that, he had less points than Tom until Tom banged his head, obviously, in Barcelona. Um, and they, they were thinking about getting a third bike for Tom in WSB, but who knows? Who's definitely not going to be in World Superbikes next year after he announced his retirement? Well, Chaz Davis. Chaz Davis. Yes, he's hurt. he also is currently hurt and can't ride his bike. Yes, yeah, so Loris Baz on that bike, but then Loris Baz then knocked Alvaro Bautista off his bike and got back and got kicked out of the race. Well, there is a pattern here emerging, isn't there, Nick? There's a lot. What I would like to say is, if you go and I haven't watched BSB, so I have to pass one. But if you go around the wonderful world of motorcycle racing, suddenly contact seems very popular in, in all classes, yeah. and I blame airbag suits. They're all feeling really invincible. I'm a genius. Uh, I don't have their exits, by the way. Anything else to say about Chas Davis while we're there? No. No, he's tall. <laughs> well, he did. Then, then that was something, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, we'll do MotoGP type bikes in the second hour of the show, and as I say, more whinging about the surface. Uh, but now we're going to move on to rallying. Oh. <sighs> I mean, it's close to a hooray. Uh, the World Rally Championship uh, went to Finland, didn't it, John? 
Well, Ben Constanturis joins us now as we look back on the end of an era uh, of World Rally Championship with the last time the current the current generation of WRC cars were out on gravel. Seems remarkable to say that. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. Rally of a Thousand Lakes, Rally Finland, super fast, super committed, onboard footage, absolutely glorious. And a winner from outside of Scandinavia and indeed from outside of Finland um, is not very usual, Ben. And we got one because the Welshman, Elvin Evans, clocks up his first victory on this classic rally. It's nice to speak to you guys again. It's been a Great while you, since mate. we previewed an event. Yeah. Um, I haven't looked back at one, but what a great event to, to look back on because uh, Rally Finland is one of those legendary events across the, the whole of our calendar, as was the return of the Acropolis, although I have to say I was slightly disappointed in how dramatic it was. But mm. Rally Finland looked stunning, didn't it? Oh. First time in a long time, it was in October. Those stunning orange trees the night stages they brought in lots of stages from back in the 80s and 90s uh, and it was fantastic to see elvin evans with a bit between his teeth and pushing hard in a way that nobody else could touch him and rarely do we see that from elvin uh, probably i i was just thinking actually as the rally started in the early going of the rally calarov and para uh, in uh, another of the Toyotas was going great guns and and effectively he's been the man in form with a sixth, a first, a third, a first before Raddy Finland and I was thinking to myself oh Elvin you're going to have to turn something up here, I know you're second in the championship but is this young Finn snapping at your heels and probably looking for your job and, and I thought Elvin's response over the weekend uh, on even on the stages where we thought the Toyota wouldn't be that good. The long sweeping stages, not so good for that car. They're like quick changes of direction because it's quite a short wheelbase. But he was ju- he, he got in the rhythm early, and I think that really set the tone, didn't it? Let's not forget that the Toyota is built in Yavascular where Rally Finland is based. So it has been tested around those roads, and Esapeka Lappi took his maiden victory in a very similar car to what we see today uh, a few years back. And actually coming into the weekend, Hyundai had never stood on the podium. Um, so they really were the car to have. And as you say, Kala Rovampera was the man really to beat, but he'd never driven the rally in, in a current spec WRC car. His last experience of the rally was in a WRC two. And I think that has a big difference. That is like jumping from, in single-seater terms, a Formula 3 to a Formula 1. In terms of yeah. the way the car reacts to the speed with its downforce, um, you know, around the Rally Finland, you can jump a WRC 2 car longer mm. than a WRC car because of the downforce. You know, it's less, less arrow, stat. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Cali was lacking the experience in that car, had a great early performance, as you say. But ultimately, Elvin, Elvin was... Definitely the man to beat for me from the offset. Um, and the, the uh, Hyundai's couldn't get anywhere near him. And it was it was so great to see because it's kept our championship alive where Ogier, again, was a little bit head-scratching. Uh, if if we look at the the rest of the the major uh, the major names there, Oik Tannock was the, the best of the I-20s uh, for Hyundai and, and looked that, frankly, right the way through the rally. But a great run by... Craig Breen had a little stutter and a spin at one junction. Um, did lead the rally, uh, of course, with Paul Nagel. 
Esapekalapi, uh, you mentioned. Uh, Rumour is he's going to get a full-time WRC drive in a Yaris next year. Part-time. Um, ah. Sharing the car with Sebastian Auger. Uh, ah. So when, whenever Auger doesn't want to do it, maybe he's doing WEC, maybe he's doing Dakar um, with his Toyota Lynx. He's got a great position to, to do all kinds of motorsport with Toyota. Then um, Esapeka will take over right. that seat. So he should get a pretty decent program a bit like we've seen as you say from craig breen who again for me did the same as he did in uh, the great. last time we saw him yeah you know as you say led the rally fast on the opening day and as others got up to speed he slightly slipped and it's really a, for me a little bit of a shame and i'm sure it's going to grate on craig that on the one hand yes he's been on the podium on the last three times he's been in that car and he's not a full-time member of that team but each time he's led and each time that victory has slipped away. And so uh, rumour has it he's got his future sorted, so he doesn't have to worry about uh, where he's going to be next year. But uh, we need him to secure the victories next year if he's going to fly the yeah. flag uh, for M Sport in a way that we are expecting him to do so. Yeah, uh, and and we expect him to be going to M Sport uh, to drive yeah. the the new hybrid car. And, and that's what we were talking about earlier on. This is the last time we'll see... Uh, this iteration of car um, with the um, the two liter engine, which is going to be hybrid, it's going to be smaller uh, internal combustion engine. We're going to have uh, renewable uh, synthetic fuels. Uh, we're going to have turbochargers. We're going to have all kinds of stuff for next year. So that's something to to look forward to. Um, I think it's really exciting. Me too. Honestly, uh, it, we've got. Um, you mentioned some of the engine components. In fact, the engine is going to be exactly the same as what we've seen, um, ah. but they're going to have this hybrid bolted onto it. That's going to provide uh, about an extra 150 horsepower uh, for around 10 seconds. They can regen into it, mm -hmm. so they are able to put power back in. So it, it's only 10 seconds if you use it in one burst and don't do anything, but they'll have three different maps that they can choose uh, and that will determine how much regen they are getting. Uh, so perhaps if you're going downhill, you'll turn up more regen, all this kind of thing. There's loads of little tech to play with, which is very exciting. And actually, if you think about that, they could have 500 horsepower under their foot um, at some points, which is, is pretty crazy, especially when you consider... They are taking away the paddle shift, so they're yes. going to have to use sequential. Yeah, and they're taking away the rear diffuser, so there is less uh, air ground effect and actually less error effect generally because uh, there's other areas. Uh, did I read the taking away the clever centre diffs as well? And they're taking away the centre diffs, which right. have only been around for about ten years. Yeah, but I think it'll be a very different driving experience for the drivers next year. I like it, and it could it completely change the you know. Craig, who we know is so good, for instance, in an Escort Mark II, could find himself really comfortable in a car like that. Haven and I, talking, Martin Haven and I talked about the future of rallying. Um, I've always said, two-wheel drive, 250, 300 horsepower, um, and not have squared-off tyres, so you've got to have round edges to the tyres so they do less damage to the, the forest uh, uh, as well. I'm intrigued by this Craig Brain move because when I was at the... Um, Festival of Speed, and Ford debuted their uh, yep. next year's car there in on the hill climb competitively uh, as well. And I, I was talking to a couple of people around the team, and I won't say why. They were very excited uh, because Ford oh, yeah. deciding to get into this and not just 
in a little way, in a big way. Um, Ford have put money into that car. They've put money into the running of the team of M Sport next year for the new uh, for the new regulations. And the conversation that I had basically went down the the line of that's all very well but if you haven't got with due respect to Gus Greensmith and Adrian Formal if you haven't got a driver who can help you develop that car and take it forward it's it's not going to work and you need a big name now is is Craig Breen a big enough name well that's not for us to say I like him I love his attitude I thought his attitude at the weekend was fantastic but I think it's a great opportunity for him Ben and one that he's you know, he's got to snatch and take that forward. There will be pressure on him next year. He doesn't get a free year because he goes into there. Unfortunately for him, he does go in as the big I am. Well, as you mentioned, Ford, I think, have got a massive jump on the rest of the totally manufacturers. Great. Hyundai are really behind. Toyota are okay. But Ford have, as you say, put money into this program and ignored 2021 as a yeah. season. They are you know, as a car and a development, they are way, way behind. And that's why we're seeing Cray, uh, why we're seeing Adrian Formeau and Greensmith minutes off the pace, but still happy with what they're doing because they know what's coming. Now, yeah. Gus is not 100% sure in that car for next year, but could well be. Adrian, I think we kind of know he will be in the car and will be a very special talent. And then if Craig takes that number one seat for two years, is he a good enough person to carry them to the world championship, mm. which I think the car will be good enough to. I personally believe between Craig and Adria, uh, you've got two underrated, but stars. Yeah. And it could be very much a button Barrichello Braun GP. Oh, like the sound of that. Like the sound of that. Got to have a quick chat about Sebastian Auger, uh, who finished yeah. fifth. Um, he, I won't say he wasn't on it because everybody who did that rally was on it. I did get the feeling that he did enough to to keep him ahead. I mean, his championship lead, although uh, diminished, is still, what, some 34, 34 points. So with two rallies to go, it's significant. He, he didn't put himself in danger at all, though. I, I felt he was driving within himself. When we got to Kenya and he took his fourth victory of the year, mm. uh, I asked him, um, the last time you won five victories in a season was back down in 2007. Uh, and I said, could we see a, a kind of record winning year from you, Sebastian? Uh, and he said, four is enough. That's mm. all I need. And since then, he's only been on the podium once in Greece, yeah. the third position. Uh, and, you know, he is still doing enough. He still has that big points advantage. Elvin hasn't been able to take massive chunks of points out of him until Finland, but it still wasn't a massive chunk. And rallying is this, it's a bit like endurance racing used to be, I suppose. You just need to get to the finish. And if you get yeah. to the finish, you're almost guaranteed a top five, six position. Yeah without any spins or any mishaps. So drive within yourself, get to the end, pick up enough points. And Auger's been w winning these so often, he knows that's the way forward. And he can pick up his, his final world championship uh, in Monza in, in two rounds' time. Uh, Thierry Neville we haven't spoken about for Hyundai, and that was because he didn't have a great rally. He's still in third position, but now only, well, well still rather, by a point from Cali yeah. who, well, we'll talk about Neville first. He, he really didn't have a good rally. No, it was a bit of a mystery, actually. He went over a big jump. We didn't see it on the feed. Uh, it was obviously big enough to dislodge his lights. 
Uh, and then it turned out that he damaged the radiator, created a water leak and blew the, uh, or damaged the engine enough yeah. to have to retire, which meant that he didn't even get to Super Rally to do the Sunday to try and get some power stage points. So uh, that meant zero points for him, zero points for Calarov and Pera. Big so missed opportunity there for, the yeah, exactly. Big missed opportunity for Rob and Pera there because with Neville's incident, if he had got a handful of points, he'd have established himself in, in third place and made it a top three for, for Toyota in the Drivers' Championship. Yeah, and I think he still can. I think he, once we get back to the tarmac rallies, he's still got that opportunity. Um, he'll have a lot of pressure from Oit Tanak behind uh, and it's those three for that third position in the championship, really. Mm. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how the Hyundai copes with the next two rallies, because we know from Croatia that the Hyundai was horrible to drive. Yes, yes. But Belgium, it was great. Yeah. So how will it be when we get to Spain? So Spain next, and then we've also had confirmed since the last time you and I spoke that we're not going to Japan, much as we expected and indeed spoke about and it will be Rally Monza again which I thoroughly enjoyed uh, last year uh, it's again late in the year so weather cold possibly ice and snow uh, as well as the nagy bits around the circuit and some actually quite quick bits around the circuit as well I thought they did a good job uh, last year and I hope that they build on that um, so is it I mean it's got to be advantage Toyota then for those last last couple of rounds hasn't it I, I mean they've already just oh. about just about wrapped up the the manufacturers championship I don't know, you see, because Rally Spain is going to be a full tarmac rally for the mm. first time in many, many years. Yep. And it's smooth, wide turns. It's not Nadri mountain roads. So that could really, really suit the Hyundai. It, it, it's a fast flowing event. Yeah, um, perfect. It, let's see, because when we looked at the Toyota and Rally Belgium, it was very nervous under mm. brakes. They were, they were taking a couple of bites to turn into every turn. I didn't like how it looked, and certainly Elvin and, and Sebastian saying they didn't like how it felt. When we go to Monza in the kind of more Gymkhana stages that will be in the circuit, that could certainly suit uh, the Toyota. But Monza will be a little bit more normal this year. Last year it was, I don't know, 80% in the circuit. Yes. And then we had that one day where they went out for a couple of stages in the mountains and came back. What we are told, and it's not confirmed yet, is that it will be a normal rally. So Thursday shakedown, maybe uh, Thursday night, first stage in, in the circuit. Friday, go out to the mountains, come back to the circuit in the evening. And again, same deal. Saturday, out into the mountains, come mm. back to the circuit, maybe only circuit on Sunday. But we shouldn't see um, as much of an emphasis on right. just fiddly stuff around the car park that we saw uh, in 2020. F final thoughts before I let you get away. Um, we go to Tarmac next, where the seeding of Augier as championship leader going first ceases to be a disadvantage, If, if particularly if there's a lot of cuts. If you're first yeah. on the road, you tend to have the advantage of the best Tarmac when it is all Tarmac. Yeah, and because it's a fast-flowing rally, it shouldn't be so much detritus brought onto the road. Of course, uh, OJ will do his very best to cut as much as possible <laughs> to bring the dirt on. Because it's a twofold thing, right? Yes, you cut because it's the fastest line. It's the straightest line for a corner. But you also know that you're bringing rubbish onto the road for the guy behind. And you know that every single guy behind will struggle a little bit more and more with the dirtier roads. So, yep. yeah, it's an interesting one finishing with two tarmac rallies. We, we had it planned for the whole year. Um, because, of course, Japan was supposed to be a tarmac rally as well. 
But as you say, if you're in the lead at the end of Rally Finland, you're in a very strong position for the last two rounds, which is a shame because I want to see a championship fight. And, and it should now go down to Monza because Elvin did such a good job yeah. in Finland. The best drive we've ever seen from Elvin Evans, no doubt. Two totally wins in a season as well. Um, uh, five podiums. It's great to have him back there. And it's a shame that maybe he lost too many points in the mid part of the season to fight for the championship. Uh, although with Ogier only doing a part season next year, he will be the team leader going into 2022. You just got to hope that Toyota have got as good a car as we know Ford potentially have. Ben, brilliant to have you back on again and uh, wish you all the well. Are, are you, are you, uh, wish you well. Um, are you at either of the last two? Well, to be honest to your uh, to your fans and listeners, um, we're expecting a baby in the next uh, month. And so work is being put on hold as I wait for the baby to pop out and, and I then support the wife and the baby and all the rest of it. Good so I'm you. afraid rest of the season is off for me, but I'm looking forward to getting back to 2022 and all those new regulations. Thanks for being with us, Ben. Best to you and the missus. And uh, let us know much. how everything goes on. Yeah, will do. Cheers, Cheers John. Bye-bye. Ben Constantius there, and we stay with rallying and uh, Excellent. the return of a championship that we haven't spoken about for a while. Is this the Connor Kilty Black Pudding Irish Road Rally Championship? Marion Evans has set his sights on next year's Irish Tarmac Rally Championship Excellent. following a successful return to competition in Ireland on the recent Cork 20 International in his Volkswagen Polo GTI R5. The 26-year-old from Lampeter is enjoying one of his best seasons this year, having won both the Argyll Rally in Scotland and the Three Shires Rally in England. Lampeter? He's from Lampeter? He is. That's well. That's where the responsible adult went, went to the university, went to college. Yes, we know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, preparations for his 2022 campaign will continue when he and co-driver Jonathan Jackson from Colin Bay contest a Wexford rally on the 17th of October in their polo, which is prepared and run by the family-owned Melvin Evans motorsport team in Llan... something. <laughs> Should have read <laughs> that before. No. Llanwydra. Llanwydra. Okay. Llanwydra. That's what it is. Llanwydra. Okay. Now, the Irish Tarmac Rally Championship is one of the sport's most difficult challenges for a visiting driver. Do you, rem- do you know the last time someone who wasn't born on the island, island of Ireland won the Irish Tarmac Rally Championship, John? Uh, never. It has happened. Uh, okay. It's not 1884. It's earlier than Na- 1984. Really? Yes. 74. Not that early. It's 1981, so that'll right. give you a massive I was in the right as to which Scotsman won it. Jimmy McCrae is correct. Mm. On a, with a manta, a mant, a manta. Yes. Yeah. Uh, move on on to sports cars now. Let's say good luck to oh, Marianne hang, uh, well, as well. There, there was a. We did have two ever since I was a young boy moments in rallying. Cause well, Craig in that Green. story, yes. We had the Craig yes. Green news. And and then we had... Oh, you want to talk about Oliver Solberg, yes. Yeah, Ollie Solberg's well done him. And, you know, I, I, another um, multi-dimensional, multi-generational, dynastic driver. He'd be quick. It's as simple as that. He just will be. Uh, sports car news now. And uh, if you... Recall back in August. You nearly said June there, didn't you? I did. You nearly said June. I was thinking, what month did we do this? Yes, excellent. 
Back in August, only seven weeks ago, uh, seems like a lifetime. We were all expecting a press conference from Alpine, and uh, there was no press conference from Alpine. Uh, and they ran an old Formula One car around uh, the circuit with Fernando Alonso behind the wheel. And, and they ran uh, an old rebellion in the race. Yes. <laughs> and came third. Yes, because old cars aren't necessarily bad cars. Well, Nick and I both know that as owners of old cars. Uh, they're going to be running a different car when they return, probably in 2024. Uh, and it's going to be an LMDH uh, prepared by Orica. Well, this is interesting, Nick, isn't it? Because um, we were talking um, in all the run-up to Le Mans about this announcement, as as Tim has has mentioned. And there was some discussion about whether it would be LMDH or LMH um, and whether they would build their own car. And they've decided to go the IMSA regs route and take a, an existing, actually it doesn't exist, but you know what I mean, an LMP2 Gen 2 chassis, and then develop their own aero and throw uh, an engine at it, rather than build a chassis. Which, given all of the resources that they have, that's an interesting choice. Do you not think it's a choice that changed in the last seven weeks? Uh, almost certainly. Almost because- certainly. Because of cash. Well, yes, and and also, I Cause, think... Because remember, the, LM, the LMDH doesn't make quite so much sense for a European brand that has no American American um, sales. Because IMSA have said they don't want to have brands that don't have American presence. It's the reason Persia are thinking they might have to brand themselves as Dodge, but there's Renault. LMH, LMH doesn't make so much sense. Yes, correct. A uh, hypercar. So you call 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 it call the ACO version hypercar, and call the other one LMDH. That's I yeah, so that's ACO, anyway. So they, they haven't got they haven't got any marketing to do in the states. So why would they want to have a stateside designed car? Because I bet you can bet your bottom dollar, a guarantee, guarantee that the balance of performance will at least slightly prefer, uh, uh, benefit the, the full on Le Mans hypercars. But if, guarantee if, it. But then why haven't they done that then? Money, so it's so much cheaper. Mm. Mm. I mean, they've got one very, very expensive motorsport. They've got about what ten thousand cars a year, and um, I, we haven't yet seen all these Renault badged Alpine. But Alpine becoming the sporty brand of Renault. So you know, fair point. It's a, it's a strange marketing thing, anyway. But yeah, rather than designing a car from scratch, my guess is also they've, they've probably done an assessment of what they can keep and what they need to lose with one hundred and forty million budget cap. My guess ah. is because Renault struggled. To spend the money, to be honest, that's, they were ramping up from the still from the very bad years of when Lotus ran it for a couple of years. It's not Lotus's fault; they had no money, uh, and they're kind of ramp, in that still that ramp up phase. They probably by stopping the ramp kind of stopped around 160, 180 million, not having to, you know, not the 290 or something which Mercedes and Ferrari and Red Bull are spending. So they can go, well, we you know, we're fine; we don't need to do that. So yeah, we've got some spare people, or we or we or we be in, you know, we're going to carry on working with Hugh, which is a great idea. Hugh has shown that. And we'll go and, and we'll go, you know, IMSA rules. Didn't hurt that they were running an Orica, effectively, a rebadge. No, I mean, you know, yeah, this, this year this they've is, got to know yeah. the car. And, and knowing who to Shurnak, as we do, I suspect the new car won't be that different from the one they were running. He's very good at recycling ideas and well, IP, isn't he? Let's be honest about this. 
And I say that in a lovely way, by the way. Yeah. Let's be honest. Is there actually anything wrong with the current LMP2s? Which if someone said we're going to extend them for five years, and we'll go, no, nope. don't. No, nope, nothing at all. So yeah, they, they, they've, they've whacked out a little horsepower and a load of um, air out of them in the last year. Um, more obviously in the WEC than IMSA. They're still great pieces of kit. Yeah, agreed. But yeah, they, they, they want to, yeah, the manufacturers want to have a, a chance to build new, new models. Well, obviously, they're all now queuing up and getting manufacturer cash, which is obviously better than privateer cash. So let's just, why don't they just extend the P2s for another three or four years? Uh, it is a somewhat, um, and uh, it is a somewhat different way of looking at the F1 cost cap team than another Formula One team who's made some announcements today, but not in the sports car arena. No. Uh, and we can talk about that now, or we can talk about it when we do Formula One in the second hour. Up to you. Up to you. I'll, I'll be led by you. Uh, we're running a little bit behind, so let's move that to the second hour. Okay. Then. <laughs> That's fine. That's uh, fine. So Alpine, uh, our first bit of uh, visit Cayman Island sports car news for tonight. There'll be more uh, later in the show. But first of all, let me tell you about what's happening when we finish tonight at 10 o'clock. It's the October edition of Historic Racing News. And this month, they're going to be looking at the 1939 British Grand Prix and those heady days when the Silver Arrows arrived in England only months before war was declared. Uh, they're also going to be debating the greatest single-seater rivalries uh, with Jim Roller and Joe Bradley, people who've had, uh, I, I suspect, uh, a lot of memories of single-seater rivalries and I'm told that Ayrton Senna is going to crop up many times in that debate. Historic Racing News radio show at 10 o'clock here on RS1. Well it is that time of year again when we grab Jeremy Shaw and ask him about Team USA scholarship and uh, who will be uh, representing uh, the Team USA for 2021 jeremy welcome uh, welcome back good to good to speak to you again all well all is good thank you very much john great to be back incredible that we, we have done this for 32 years haven't we um, it seems um, that way I, i've done the program for 32 uh, this program for 32 uh, and, years it's amazing and we seem to have been talking to you for the majority of that when <laughs> when when the announcements are made who are the two hopefuls the two that have been chosen by the panel to represent the scholarship for 2021? Uh, coincidentally, they're both from New York City. Wow. Um, Andre Castro, who's uh, 22 years of age, and, and Max Esterson, who's, uh, who's uh, 18, just about to be 19. Um, two guys who uh, uh, excelled this year, unlike last with, with COVID, things have eased up enough that this year I was able to have a, a proper selection process and a shootout, which is a, a fantastic track in Tennessee, Called the Polecat Training Center wow. in in rural Tennessee. Fantastic track. I mean, seriously challenging. It's uh, it's it's built as a, as a training facility, and it, they train not only racing drivers but also military and police and ah. all that sort of stuff. So it's a very technical track, and in fact, 19 corners in just over two miles. Lots of elevation change. Fantastic place, and uh, we had a, a great shootout. We had six young guys there, and. Uh, Joseph Newgarden came along for a day. It wasn't too far from where he lived, which was kind of him. He had a, a commitment with uh, Team Penske the second day, but uh, he, was, he, he was there the full day on the first day, which is brilliant. And Andy Lally came along as well, as did Aaron Johnson, who's racing in the Idemitsu IMSA MX5 Cup Series this season. So 
uh, you know, three uh, former scholarship winners and a good panel of judges. And we had a really, really good day. And Andre Castro and Max Esterson were the, the top two guys. So how they'll many, be on their way. Actually, they're in England already, in fact. How, did, how many did you take up there, Jeremy? Yeah, we had 12 candidates initially, um, one of whom um, declined actually to, to, to do the assignments that we offered him, which is somewhat strange. Okay. Uh, but we had six finalists. And uh, and it was a really really good shootout. It, it's a very technical track. It was super hot. Goodness gracious me, it was hot and sticky. But uh, we had a really really good shootout. And yeah, these two guys were were outstanding. I, I mean, it was a good group. To be fair, it was it was a very very difficult decision that we had to make. And and what have Andre and Max been doing uh, in terms of their racing career so far? Well, Max is pretty easy. He, all he's done basically is uh, he's done a lot of i racing, uh, sim racing over right. the last uh, since since he was a, since he was a, a smaller kid, um, and is actually one of the top i racers in the country. I think he's, he's he, he was ranked number five in the country, uh, in the US out of however tens of thousands are are, uh, are involved in i racing. So uh, he was a very accomplished at that. Started racing last season did the f1600 championship in north america and then this year he's been racing with the low dempsey racing in the uh, the avon tires british formula Four 1600 championship and he's been a front runner there won some races he's currently second in points uh, going into the final round which is actually this weekend at snedderton he's he's uh, he's gonna have to his work cut out to, to win the championship, but he's you know he's won some races like I say and gained a huge amount of experience. Andre is a bit more complicated. He also is a pretty accomplished eye racer in actual fact, but he was on a radar screen way back in 2016. In fact, he was a finalist uh, alongside the likes of Oliver Askew and Carl Kirkwood, mm. who've done rather well for themselves <laughs> since then. Um, Andre. He, he stepped up briefly into USF 2000 in in 17, but unfortunately had a massive shunt at and that basically curtailed his racing for a couple of years he then came back as part of a, a, a kind of a diversity program with nascar and the wheelan euro series nascar so he raced yep. stock cars in europe uh, that was in 19 uh, i think he did a, maybe a race or two as well last year it wasn't a full season by any means but he's been scratching away trying to get back on the ladder again and he got himself into usf for a couple of races early this season and he, he called me midway through the summer and said, am I, am I on your radar screen for this year? I said, no. Why? Because, you know, for, for, I was sort of thinking, you know, his, his time has kind of passed. He said, he said look, I, I've worked really hard to get back into this sport. I, this is something I really, really want to do. I want to I, I put in the effort in. And I said, OK, well, you know, send me a little proposal as to why I should consider you. And he did. I said, OK, fine. You're part of the group. Uh, and so he was part of the initial 12 people um and then he you know he, he he aced every level so far so you know hats off to the guy he's good, good he's um and that's what this program really john is all about is giving people opportunities you know it, 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 it kind of appeared that the sport had maybe passed him by but he's clawed his way back and uh you know we'll see what he can make of this i mean you know the results in England don't really matter. It's what the what the kids can make of those opportunities to create more openings down the road. Wow, well, uh, uh, and fair play to him for for having the chutzpah to to get in yeah. touch as well. Well, well done. Yeah. I, I take it it's the the usual uh, the usual schedule with uh, Formula Festival at Brands, and and it's following weekend, so it's it's back to back this year. The Walter Hayes Trophy for Formula Ford at Silverstone. And, of course, it's the 50th Formula Ford Festival at Brands this year, so rather special. 
Yes, absolutely right. I'm super excited about that. Um, hopefully this year I can I can actually make it, make it across. I didn't get across last year, uh, but uh, yeah, the, the festival holds so many fond memories for me. I was I was part of it at, at Brands Hatch in the early days, and I did it myself a couple of couple of times. In fact, the first open wheel race I ever did was a Formula Four nice. festival in in 1980. I did it in 88 and 81, so 40 years ago for goodness sake. So um, yeah, big big events those two. And Andre. Uh, is also going to be racing this weekend at uh, Snetterton in the final round of the BRCC National Championship. So he'll be sort of kind of backing up Max there, just just trying to get a bit of experience in these cars. He hasn't driven these cars or these tyres before. So trying to get himself up to speed. You know, he's not trying to win at Snetterton. He's just trying to gain some experience and figure out how everything works in the UK. Okay. Uh, but uh, so, that yeah, that's that's the programme. Um, I don't think we're probably going to be able to do many tours like we normally do yeah, still because quite. of the COVID restrictions, unfortunately, but they're still going to have a great time over there and they'll meet a lot of people and it'll be a, you know, a good uh, stepping stone for them moving forward with their careers, John. Uh, and, and who's supporting uh, the, the scholarship this year? I mean, you've got, you've had a bunch of um, a number of long-term sponsors uh, who have been around uh, for a while and, and, you know, and have, have you found it easy or difficult to, to keep on in, in the last couple of seasons? Yeah, it's been a challenge. I mean, the main supporters, Doug Mockett's been with us for yeah. now for, for 15, 20 years, uh, and, and Road Racing Drivers Club as well, uh, sort of promoting its safestfast.com tutorials. And for young drivers who want to learn about the sport, uh, take a look at that website. It's called safeisfast.com. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, other major supporters, Cupertaro has been with us a long time. Aero Sustainable Paint Technology as well have been on board mm. now for two or three years. And other people, Chip Ganassi has been a big, big part of our program. Bob Stelrecht, who owns Marco Andretti's Indy car, and he also owns one of the cars that, uh, well, actually, that uh, Oliver Askew and Carl Kirkwood have taken to the Indy Lights Championship the last couple of years. So, you know, we've got lots of long-term supporters here that uh, that make this program possible. Um, and has it been easy? No, not really, because one of our main fundraisers is with the RRDC, with oh, the yeah, Road Racing Drivers Club. We put on a big dinner at Long Beach every year, and that's been a major fundraiser for us in recent years. Well, we haven't been able to have that for the last two years, so that's put a little bit of a crimp in, in the style. But, um, yeah, we're still able to carry on. We've got some Good super support from all these people, and, yeah, we're going to carry on. Uh, well done. It sounds like you've got another couple of, of, of great youngsters to uh, to represent the Team USA scholarship. Hopefully, we'll get to see them, uh, even if it is at a two-metre distance and hanging the microphone out as long as I can stretch my arm and have a chat with them. I might see you as well in the next few weeks. Could do, could do that. That's that's the hope. Certainly, I'm certainly planning to be at the festival. I think I probably won't be able to make it to the Hayes now, but um, uh, certainly for the uh, for the Formula Ford Festival, I'm so excited. I mean, I, I love going to Brands Hatch always. I, you know, I started out working there in the, in the press room many, many years ago, and it's always fun to go back. Uh, we always get a, a really good welcome there, so I'm excited. Formula Ford Festival, Brands Hatch, oh. uh, final weekend in October, be there. Uh, and I'll speak to you at the weekend in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre as we cover VIR and the, the GT event. I'm looking forward to that as well. Oh, yeah, superb. It's, it's the, as you say, no prototypes there, just the GT cars, but they put on a heck of a show. And uh, it's a pretty much a, a full imps of slate of action, isn't it, over the weekend as well. So we're going to be busy and it's going to be fun. Yeah, take a deep breath now. It might be the last one you get, Jeremy. Thanks for joining <laughs> us. Thanks, John. Take, take care.
Well, before we uh, talk about uh, VIR, uh, Jeremy then mentioned Carl Kirkwood, and on Sunday he wrapped up the Indy Lights Championship at Mid-Ohio. Here's what he had to say afterwards. Oh, my gosh, I don't even know what to say. Lost for words. Just so much relief. Man, I heard Antonio got out of the car, and I was like, does that mean that we won it? I'm not really sure, but we just weren't fast in the wet there, and it was just so treacherous. Even when it was drying, I mean, we were just so slow, and I was making massive mistakes uh, just putting around the track, it felt like. So, and to take it home and get that checker, man, it's such a big relief. It's insane. I mean, I can't thank the Andretti guys enough. RP, Cape, everyone through it. It's, it's incredible. I'm lost for got lost for words right now. I've learned so much this year, and Dreddy has, has brought me up, and they've took me in, even with the IndyCar side, and they've taught me so much. Um, I couldn't be any more grateful than I already am for, for these guys back here. Um, hats off to, to my entire 28 crew. got Doug, J-Rob, Dalton, Carlos. They've done a phenomenal job all year. No mistakes. Everything was perfect, and um, for, unfortunately, I had some mistakes, but we're able to overcome those and had some decent days. And Shay Adams joining us. And Shay, you're a big fan of Kyle, aren't you? Hello, Shay. First coming into racing. I got you. You got me, Tim. Yes, finally. Uh-huh. You heard you. Yes, yes. Um, I'm a big fan of Kyle. He's he's still the same hum- humble young kid that he was when he first got into racing uh, back when he was doing F4 a million years ago. And he's just such a nice young guy. Amazing to think he's obliterated all those records on the uh, road to Indy ladder so far, and he's not done yet. And terrible weather conditions on Sunday for that season finale as well. (laughs) Yes, there were. I saw that he tweeted something about how much fun it was going to be to drive at mid-Ohio in the rain, and then he took it back when the lap times went out by something like 40 seconds. Mm. Uh, He was pretty much certain of winning the title going into that final race, though uh, he just needed to finish in the top 11, and there were only 12 starters uh, and that was uh, if his title line with David Maluskas won, and uh, he didn't because he uh, went off at the first corner and dropped all the way to the back and then fought his way back. I think he finished third in the end. Hmm. Very impressive performance, and I'm sure David Maluskas is somebody that we'll be talking about for a while to come yet. Um, Diane Swintall, who is key with the Indie Pro Series, uh, she's been a big fan of his as well for a long time. Uh and obviously next year, uh, Indy Lights going to be run by IndyCar, by the Penske organization, rather than by uh, Anderson Promotions, as it has been for the last six or seven years. Yeah, bringing it in-house. Uh, we've yet to see what changes that will mean. The schedules were released for, I think, two of the three uh, ladder series over the course of the weekend. So it will be a good schedule. We'll wait and see how many cars actually turn up. But coming into the Penske organization doesn't ever weaken anything, does it, Tim? It does not. Uh, moving on to VIR this weekend for IMSA. And there are a lot of uh, championships that are coming towards the end of their season. All live on IMSAradio.com, <laughs> of course, yes. this weekend. IMSAradio.com is the place to be. Uh, where would you like to start? Uh, should we do Pilot Challenge first? 
Sure. Pilot challenged 35 cars. It's a really good turnout. 20 of them are GS. Now we've lost two of our GS cars that we're used to seeing. Neither of the windward Mercedes going to be participating in GT4 for the remainder of the year. They're not going to run at VIR because they're running the following weekend in the Indy eight hour race in a GT3 machine. And then I've been told we will see them back again before the end of the year. But in what guise, we're not entirely sure for the, remember, GTD winners at the Rolex 24 of Daytona. Uh, But we do have two additional cars back in the GT4 category. We've got actually a couple of them back, um, but a couple worth noting. The automatic racing Aston Martin is back. That's Rob Eklund and Ramin Abdul-Vahavi. We've got FCP coming back with their Mercedes as well. Um, both of the Riley uh, Toyotas are going to be racing, not lad again with their Aston Martin for Stephen McAleer and Patrick Gallagher. That's going to be fun. And then welcome back to Rebel Rock with their Camaro. They missed the last round, but they did go out and do a bit of testing with Frank DePew and Robin Liddell. They feel pretty good about VIR in TCR. 15 cars. We've got the new entry that I am super excited about. That is an Audi for new German performance. Tristan Herbert teaming up with Britt Casey Jr. Car number 44. It's a good number. It's going to be a lot of fun to see how that program goes. We talked a little bit last week when you weren't around about some of the driver changes in the WeatherTech Championship. Remember, only GT Mm. Le Mans uh, and GT Daytona there. What have you found out? Uh, well, welcome back, Kevin Estra, running at VIR for the first time since 2014. He is the Porsche driver chosen to be in the WeatherTech Racing Porsche for this weekend alongside Cooper McNeil. As far as other driver changes go, I heard that you did mention the Mario Farnbacher coming into racing, gradient racing with Till Bechtelsheimer as Mark Miller mm. continues his recovery after surgery for a blown Achilles, he was sprinting. You should never run, never run. Um, We've got Allegra back with their Mercedes. Bad for you, you hurt yourself. (laughs) Exactly, it's detrimental to your health. Um, And then the other Mercedes that we've got in the field, the Gilbert Cothorf Mercedes. We mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Guy Cosmo, this time joined by Mike Skeen. This team very much getting ready for a full season program next year. Different driver lineup than what we've got this weekend, though, is expected to be on top for the 2022 season. Other than that, it's all the usual runners and riders in category. But a couple of notes, GTD, we only have two cars where the driver lineups are made up of previous race winners. Uh, And as far as manufacturers go, it it stunned me. Porsche has not won at VIR Uh, Since 2016, when we brought in the new slew of cars, they've been on the podium four times, but yet to get the W. And just should mention, it is the final round of the Sprint Championship at the weekend, so we will be, provisionally at least, crowning some champions. Yes, yes, very much so. And uh, the important thing as far as that goes is that there was a big shakeup in the points uh, for the Long Beach results uh, when we got those finalized. Uh, And for the Sprint Championship, there are only three teams that are still in it numerically to win it. Uh, In third, Aaron Tielitz and Jack Hawksworth trying to defend their Sprint title from last year. They're 169 points off of Roman DeAngelis and Ross Gunn, but splitting them is Brian Sellers and Madison Snow only 74 points back, which means that if the Aston is fifth or lower and Sellers and Snow wins, they win the title. 
Um, but basically, if there is a five-place gap between the 23 Aston Martin and the one Lamborghini, it goes the way of the Lamborghini. For Tealitz and Hawksworth to come away with it, the problem for them is that they basically need the other two cars ahead of them to finish last and next to last. Midweek Motorsport. Half time. And while we swap ends, here's what's coming up. Uh, we'll be talking more of our Cayman, Visit Cayman Island sports car news with Shea Adam. Uh, and uh, that comes up in hour two. Nick Dim will be back with two and four wheel news because we haven't talked Mortal GP yet. Uh, all world superbikes. Uh, we'll be talking about that in the second hour. Oh, and the one's back at the weekend as well, so we better get a hooray, an array from uh, Nick Damon. Your uh, questions and points arising on at Specutainment as well, please. Uh, and don't forget, following us tonight, Historic Racing News, the radio show uh, will be on the air. Next, we're staying with IMSA and with the developmental series on Midweek Motorsports. Midweek on RadioLeMond.com. Well, delighted to say that joining us now is the CEO and owner of Kelly Moss Road and Race, uh, who joins us from Wisconsin. Andy Kilcoyne is with us there. Andy, first of all, congratulations on what's been a, a very busy, but thus far a very successful season, uh, particularly in the area that we want to talk about, the new for 2021 Porsche Carrera Cup North America, presented by Visit Cayman Islands. Lots of new challenges, new car, uh, new drivers, uh, and effectively a new series. How's it been? Indeed, John. It's been it's been a very exciting year on a, on a lot of fronts. Uh, the the 992 has been, you know, a, a new tool for for us to develop and and learn about. We've got new drivers, uh, some new team members, uh, some new venues, and and it's been, yeah, new new series, but a lot of the same old faces. So it's been it's been a, a big learning curve, but a great year thus far. The the constant is that it's still under the auspices of IMSA and therefore racing for the most part, at least, on an IMSA WeatherTech sports car weekend good coverage great telly um lots of people being able to see it um has the move to a full pro series which we never had in the in the carrera cup in the past which you guys have been great supporters of i should say um has that move to full pro driving at the sharp end of the field has that in any way changed the the character of the championship andy yeah, the the you know the, the dynamic um, throughout the field has definitely changed you know a, a fair amount since the the, the Yokohama GT3 Cup days, um, but but you know the, the teams have have largely remained constant. So it's a lot of the same faces, uh, not just from Porsche and from IMSA, but you know throughout the the other uh, the other teams uh, throughout the paddock. Uh, granted, there are there are a handful of new ones, uh, but you know the 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 field. Uh, you know, if you take it take a look at you know, last year we were fortunate enough. Uh, Alan Metney won an overall win at at VIR. Um, very fast Masters driver. Um, it's been it's been a challenge for him to try to hover around. You know, the 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 top ten this year. Um, you know, it, it's just the the competition is fierce and and, and deep. Uh, some really really talented drivers. You know, throughout throughout the field. Uh, 
it's good that you know where the competition's going to come from because the same the same guys with the same race cars, uh, or at least the, the same liveries in, in some descriptions, uh, in, in some situations, uh, are still at the sharp end. The Phelan and Kelly Moss Road and Race have established themselves, Andy, um, over the last few years in the previous iteration of the championship uh, and continued into this year. Where's the biggest challenge been with this new car? Because in some respects, it, it all gets reset to zero again, doesn't it, when a new car comes along and all the little tweaks and the clever nuances that you know from running several years in the championship, that that disappears and you're back to square one again. Yeah, indeed. You know, and puts everyone on a level playing field and, you know, everything that we've we've put the effort into developing and testing over the last several years largely goes away, not only with a, you know, a new car with a with the new tire. Um, so it's it's been it's been challenging in some aspects, you know, um, as you would expect, you know, learning, learning new product, uh, you know, I think globally how, you know, the pandemic has affected the parts supply chains uh, and shipping ha- has been, you know, a, a, a huge obstacle to, to try to overcome. Uh, so trying to have a, you know, a reasonable testing program and a race program and being able to service all your clients and, and try not to have to tell them no, uh, it, it's been, it's been harder than normal. And has that affected championship? At the start of the season, at the test at Sebring, Porsche, uh, Porsche Motorsport North, North America said, guys, we've got no shells. So if you shell a car in the test, that's it. You're knackered. We, we, haven't, we haven't got any more. Yeah, in, and I'm not sure if that's really affected how the guys are choosing to operate the cars or if that's more of a testament to the, you know, the quality of the depth of the, of the field. Um, it, it's just been, there, there hasn't been a lot of, of significant contact and there hasn't been, you know, a, a lot of damage throughout the year, which I think we all should be real thankful for uh, given, you know, given the, uh, um, the, the, diff, the difficulty of, of getting parts, not, it's not just the body shells, but yeah, just anything from, uh, from wheels and brakes. And uh, it's, it's just been, yeah, it's been, it's been a challenge. In, in fairness, uh, the, the outgoing head of, of Porsche Motorsport did a great job in A, getting these cars into the States in the first place and B, getting so many of them. I, I, I think when we first talked to Dr. Ambruster uh, this time last year when we knew it was going to happen, uh, he was hoping for maybe 15, 16, 17 cars. In the end, it's been over 20. And my goodness, the competition has been outrageous at times. Yeah, it's it's been really great, and you know it's not just a competition at the front that's been that's been excellent. There's a lot of you know midfield battles, and and you know the masters are having a a great go at it. So it's been it's been a lot of good racing, uh, a lot of high quality racing. Uh, I can't say enough about the efforts that Porsche has done to try to try to make things as seamless as possible through a, you know, a difficult time, you know, and specifically Jeremy Sunt has just been, you know, fantastic and available basically 24 hours a day, uh, you know, to, to help troubleshoot and, you know, and, and, and work through um, issues as they arise, as you'd expect with, a, with developing a new car. Couple of technical points on the car before we move on to two of your drivers who are duking it out at the top of the standings. ABS on these cars at the front end of the field. Now, I'm, I'm led to believe that was a choice by each of the individual Carrera Cups. Was that choice made by Porsche Motorsport North America in consultation with the teams and the potential drivers? Because it does seem to me that is a change from the past, but it does seem to me to give 
particularly the up-and-coming younger career drivers, the opportunity to drive high-quality race-bred ABS before jumping into, say, a GT4 or a GT3 car? Yeah, Porsche is pretty good at, at listening to uh, to the teams and the drivers to try to you know shape the series in in something that they feel as though is is what's in demand by the customer. Um, you know, so I I absolutely applaud them for that. It's been um, you know I think there's a couple of different different ways to look at that for further advancement in motorsports in North America. Uh, obviously, everywhere you go, there's there's ABS and TC once you you know move beyond beyond here. Um, as far as the global spec, though, uh, the Career Cup, uh, I believe in the other markets have, have all decided not to run uh, ABS. So it's been more of a, um, a North America focused mm. uh, um, um, desire. So the question is, are, are we developing drivers to succeed within the, the motorsports ladder within North America? Or are we trying to give them the opportunity to succeed in Europe uh, where they're not running ABS? Uh, so it's, it's been, you know, there's, there's a lot of, lot of heavy opinions on both sides of it. And the other thing, of course, that's helped in in terms of bringing on those young drivers and getting them interested is the fact that now we have a proper crack from the US at the young driver shootout at the end of the motorsport season. And that's really been brought about by the fact that Michelin are on board, as they are with most of the other Carrera Cups uh, around the world. And you've got two of those young charges under your under your awning battling it out as teammates, as individuals. It's a, it's a tough call for us to know from the outside. How would you explain it to the audience? Because Kai van Berlo and, and Sebastian Prio are clearly two of the top drivers as as evidenced by their position in the championship. Yeah, uh, we're, we're fortunate that actually we, we've got three this year with Sebastian Carrazo as well. Also good good in, point, in yes. Program. In the 27 car, um, yeah. Yep. It, it's been they're working very hard at, um, at being friends. Um, and, and, and I, I mean that in a very positive way, uh, obviously when you have two, um, or more, obviously there's more than that, but just under our tent, we, we have two, two drivers that are very focused on, on winning a championship and trying to advance and goals, goals are aligned, um, as far as the team, you know, we, we are providing the best curriculum, the best coaching opportunities Mm -hmm. and, and providing the same equipment to everyone, um, on the team. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a little difficult to manage at times because, uh, the racing is so, uh, uh, tight and close. I I think we we should make the point, Andy, that, that these guys are driving, for their careers and driving for their futures. Uh, they are pro drivers or aiming to be pro drivers. It's not dissimilar. This is a sports car version, in effect, of of coming up through the single-seater ranks, through the Formula car ranks. Uh, and those who follow Formula 1, Formula 2, Formula 3 will have seen the battles Jack Doohan got involved with his teammate at Sochi for Trident and Trident telling one of their drivers to pull over because it would help them in in the championship. Now, there's a balance to be made here, but I can't see you guys doing that. Once those guys are on the track, they are racing for themselves, aren't they? Yeah, it, it's a lot of times it's it's reminding them that that race wins are important, but the championship is more important. Mm. No one's going to, no one's going to remember who, who wins the race, but obviously everyone's going to remember who wins the championship. So um, 
trying to sometimes rein in some of the aggression. Um, you know, we've had we've had a couple of of difficult conversations uh, about actions that have you know happened on track. But you know, end of the day, yeah, you're absolutely right. These guys are driving for themselves and their for their careers and and for future livelihood. Um, but they're you know they're they're all very hungry and very dedicated. And and it's really been rewarding to watch their development because they really push each other. Um, and it, it, it has been great from a you know a data data engineering standpoint uh, for sure. Uh, just just watching these guys grow and, and feeding off of each other's data. A, a, a quick thought about about your drivers then. Alan Metnick consistently in the top ten overall from the pro am category, effectively the the old masters category. His development has come on leaps and bounds. Clearly, he's still getting to grips with the new car, as many of the other drivers are. Sebastian, it just seems to me, Sebastian Carrazzo, it, it just seems to me is he just needs to, to take one little half step more and, and get a really good result under his belt. Yeah, he's, you know, he's really, really dedicated, and you know, just a fine young man to work with. Mm. Um, his race pace has always been very good. Um, the, the qualifying pace has been lacking a little bit. Uh, so those, those are things that we're working on. Um, he unfortunately is kind of the recipient of a, um, we'll call it a weight penalty, um, where, where he, he's consistently running a little heavier than, than everyone else is based on the ballast that we're required to run in the car. Uh, so that's, you know, that, that's definitely worth some time. And, you know, he's been, he's been working, working on that. Um, you know, I, I, I would love to see, you know, him, him able to, you know, challenge for the overall podiums. Cause I know, I know he has the ability and the craft to make it happen. Yeah. Like, like the sound of that. Uh, I, I remember him driving in the previous versions of the, the championship and, and consistently seeing the, the 27 car, which then wasn't a top class car. It was a gold category when he was first came in and seeing him mixing it with the top class guys. He's clearly got the speed and, and the race craft. And that brings us on then to Kai von Berlo, the the Dutch driver and the, uh, the Guernseyman, uh, the uh, Sebastian Prio, of course, both drivers who we've seen in other formulae, and uh, you'd be a it'd be a tough person who would put money any anywhere else for the championship between those two. Parker Thompson's given you guys a a, a decent run for your money as well. Um, what? How do you rate those two young lads that you've got that are battling for the championship, Andy? I think. Uh... Uh, you know, and looping Parker into this, you know, I think there's, you know, three very, very talented guys that are very, very hungry, um, you know, for the, for the progression. A um, couple of different learning styles between the, you know, the guys that are, that are under our tent. Um, you know, Prio, I will always say has some of the most natural talent that I've, that I've ever, that I've ever witnessed. Um, Kai is, is a worker and that, that, that fine young man um, will absolutely put the work in and do whatever it takes in order to uh, be successful. So it's been it's been really really rewarding to see these two kids feed off of one another and and learn from one another and then push each other. And, and Parker and uh, Riley and you know some of the oh, other Riley guys Dickinson, have also yes, done good a, points. Yeah. yeah, have done a fantastic job. And um, you know we we were maybe as Kelly Moss maybe a little lucky with having a couple of young kids that. Um, you know, and even Alan Metney, I mean, we, you know, we, we've got some fantastic coaches and some fast, fantastic drivers, you know, that, that we really push the development on these cars. Um, so we were a little uh, ahead, ahead of the curve sooner than some of the other teams that, that, that 
didn't maybe necessarily have all the, the resources that we had at our disposal. Um, but uh, it's, it's been really neat to see the other, the other teams really step up their game and how competitive the middle of the season's gotten. Just as a, a closing uh, comment from you, I, I thought it was quite brave for Porsche in uh, any of their uh, any of their territories, but particularly in 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 North America, to launch this new championship in the midst of a global pandemic. I know the guys at Visac were working really hard to turn out all the cars for the five championship. They got the nine nine twos in this inaugural season. Um, I'll, I'll put my hands up and say I, I was a bit sceptical. I thought the old model worked quite well and I wasn't sure that going to a full pro top class, I wasn't sure that there was the young drivers out there. It has worked. It's worked brilliantly well. I, I, if I had a hat, I would have to eat it. I've got to tell you that that now. Um, and what it's proved also is moving to that. We've, we've seen years where the championship has been dominated in the past by maybe one or, or possibly two drivers this year. We've mentioned four or four, five drivers already. Has this set the new standard, do you think, Andy, for, for Porsche Carrera Cup in North America? Because considering this is the first year of this new format, this new formula, effectively, it, it's worked rather well. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, the, the, the interest has been, has been great. Uh, I know that uh, they, they say that there's 40 new cars coming into the States next year. Wow. There's already a waiting list um, uh, on those cars uh, as teams are getting allocations for them. Uh, I, I can say that all of the allocations that we've been given for 2022 have already been filled. Uh, so there's a lot of excitement around, around Carrera Cup and a lot of, you know, a lot of very talented drivers wow. um, that not only are in it this year, but uh, that, you know, that we've had conversations with for next year. So if we think this year is good, wait until next year when we've got a whole grid full of 992s is basically what you're saying. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough to uh, uh, to top how great this season's been on, on a lot of on a lot of levels, and it's probably going to be one that that uh, I'll remember for the rest of my career, given all the you know trials and tribulations of, of tr- just trying to make it happen. Uh, but yeah, I think I think the race is going to continue getting better and better. Obviously, you'll hope that it's one of your drivers that gets selected for the North America Young Driver Program to go and represent Porsche Carrera Cup North America, presented by Cayman Islands, in the shootout. But how big a deal would it be to have someone from this championship actually get a Porsche Young Driver contract? I think it, it would be absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it, it's, it's been a while since we've had, you know, a, a, a strong representative from, from, from North America. Uh, you know, I, I would love it. I would love it if one of, you know, one of our kids uh, could, could take that next step. That'd be, that'd be a, um, you know, obviously a wonderful feather in their cap. And I, I think a testament to the curriculum and the program that we're, we're trying to provide. Andy, Andy Kilcoyne, uh, the CEO and owner of uh, Calimos Road and Race. Thank you for joining us. Uh, being as good as you guys are for as long as you guys have been doesn't happen by accident. And I know there's a lot of people working very hard behind the scenes. Thank them all for all their dedication and hard work and for the, all the entertainment that they've brought to us and to all of our listeners and viewers uh, who've, who've uh, listened and, and watched the, the championship down through the years. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. Appreciate all the kind words. Well, Shay Adam is still with us. Shay, five races ago in the Porsche Career Cup North America, two of them this weekend at VIR and uh, three at Petit Le Mans uh, in a month. Uh, your thoughts going into this weekend? Uh, there's about 150 points mm. up for grabs in this series. 
So we could still have potentially Parker Thompson or Kai Van Berlo overhaul Seb Prio for the championship. 13 cars in the top class, the uh, pro category, with 10 cars in Pro-Am and five, again, in the Pro-Am 991 category. I did miss it when it, it thinned out a little bit. Uh, I think it was the last round of the round before. But two races at VIR and three at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta means that there's a lot of racing left in this season yet. Kai Van Berlow, probably the uh, driver with the the most to look over his shoulder at because Parker Thompson won uh, a race at Indianapolis. He won a race at Road America. Kai Van Berlow um, hasn't won since August the 6th. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, Kai's got a lot of very exciting things going on. Uh, Today and yesterday, he was testing an LMP3 machine with Riley at Daytona International Speedway. So very clearly, he has been noticed already thus far this year by American teams trying to set up for next year. Uh, I'll say the big momentum seems to be Parker Thompson at the moment. Yeah, and Parker really coming into his own uh, at Indy, he took advantage of the fact that Kai had some bad luck, some mechanical issues. Uh, He's a very impressive young man who's always been there or thereabouts, but he hasn't had the luck to break through. It really would be remarkable if Parker Thompson and JDX can take down the might that is Kelly Moss Road and Race because they've had so much success over the past years. But uh, as you heard in that interview, it's not... It, it's not the completely unforecasted. They put in a lot of work in the time. And with Kai Van Berlo, with Seb Priya, with Sebastian Carrazzo, with Alan Metney, they've got a lot of really good drivers in their corner. Let's see Porsche Carrera Cup North America presented by Visit Cayman Islands. And uh, rounds, uh, what numbers are they? 12 and 13 <laughs> this weekend. Uh, Live. Uh, in Sound Live of Vision. On IMSA Radio. And uh, one on Friday, one on Sunday. So uh, no action from them on Saturday. Yeah, they can, they can go out and just chill and watch everything else. Uh, Live in Sound of Vision. No blocks, no breaks. Uh, IMSAradio.com. That is where you need to be for the weekend. And Shea will be joining uh, Jeremy Shaw and me, John Hino, for... All of that coverage. And if you go to imsaradio.com and scroll down to the bottom, all of our live coverage is on there, and most of it is sound and vision. The early sessions of the WeatherTech, I think we've got FP2, FP3 of, of WeatherTech, uh, the GT versions, the GT classes of that. But after that, um, all the races and the qualifying for WeatherTech are all in sound and vision. And remember, and Shea, you shouted this at me at, at the last weekend. <laughs> The WeatherTech did race I? is on Saturday. Did I shout that? Did yes, I really you did. You that? were spot okay. on, though, because I'd completely forgotten it. <laughs> WeatherTech well, race on Saturday. WeatherTech race on Saturday, as it was for Long Beach, and as it will be for Petite as well. So point. the last three rounds of the season are a day earlier than we're used to. But the confusing thing, at least for us this weekend, John, WeatherTech race Saturday, Michelin Pilot Challenge race, IPC race, Porsche race Sunday. Yeah, there's a, a lot going on on Sunday. There's a lot going on on Sunday. There really is. So it's a full weekend anyway, is what we are saying. Thanks, Shay. Uh, best of uh, Before uh, best to everybody. Shay, oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Oh, oh. We, we need to congratulate three virgins, don't we? <laughs> uh, huh? 
Uh, NASCAR, all three uh, national oh, yeah. series had first-time winners at the weekend. Yeah, and at Talladega, too. What a cool weekend result. Um, so the the truck race, to start things off um, for Friday, I think it was, right? Uh, yeah. Tate Fogelman getting the win for Chevy, for Team Chevy. That was a really cool result. Um, we've got Brandon Brown bringing home the honors again for Team Chevy. 107 laps in that race. That went into quite a bit of overtime for the Xfinity Series. But then in the Cup Series, they go to go racing. Talladega, Sunday afternoon. Uh Uh-uh. Doesn't happen. Uh, They get things fired back up, ready to go on Monday. We got a great possibility of racing. Uh, There's more rain. So they delayed it a little bit. They finally got things up and running. Cody Uh, Ware was leading. Cody Ware was leading at the first red flag. Cody Ware was leading. Twitter was blowing up. Uh, people were saying, just call it now. <laughs> no, they went back to a little bit of racing. Uh, they did a pit stop sequence. I saw the Penske cars got up to the front, and I thought, oh, boy, this is going to be a, another Penske victory at Talladega. But nope, Bubba Wallace gets the win for Team Toyota at Talladega, his first win in the Cup Series. And what a place to get it done oh, yeah. a year after uh, that awful situation with him in the garage uh, with the, oh, the yeah. hate message and then the entire field walking out behind him to support him. A year after that, Bubba Wallace is victorious at Talladega. I love it so much. And and remarkably, only the second African-American ever to win a top flight NASCAR race after Wendell Scott won uh, in 63, I think it was. Certainly, he was right. the first African American to start a NASCAR race. That was nineteen sixty or sixty one, I think. Wendell Scott, but um, phenomenal stuff. I, I watched quite a lot of it from the onboards and the timing on uh, on Monday evening, and I actually thoroughly enjoyed it because I've got so many screens here now. I had about four onboards plus the aerial plus what they call the battle cam. Um, and you can actually watch it really, really rather well. And uh, and I and I had MRN on as well, and MRN <laughs> were were calling it, and I sort of just about got it all synced up, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it I love Talladega. I think it's the is that the biggest track to go to? Is that two point six six miles now? That's the so that's the longest oval to go to. So yeah. yes, it's it's definitely the fastest super speedway that they go to as well. I think it is the longest. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And thank you to everybody who um, was saying that Shea and Nick and I should be doing an international commentary. Can we? Can we please? Can we please? Uh, listen, we stand ready, as as always. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Before Shea goes, I've got one more question. <laughs> Yo, sorry. Uh, I want to go back sorry. to Brandon yes. Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. Brandon okay. Brown uh, was in what numbered car? Uh, I can't remember. John? Uh, which, which, which was he? He was in the Xfinity Xfinity, room. Yes. Right. Xfinity. Uh, hmm. He was in, uh, I don't know. I'd have to. He was in the 68, John. Was he in the 68? Yes. And what is the, what is the significance of the 68 car? Uh, it's the first time a car numbered 68 has ever won. Right. Wow. And as far as I can tell, 
it's the first time a car number 68 has ever had a top 10 finish. Jeez. Um, if we're talking about Le Mans... Oh, uh, only in NASCAR. Oh, okay, okay. Because I was thinking the, the 68 Ford, I don't think it ever got on the podium at Le Mans, but it definitely qualified... Or no, that's the one that won uh, the first year, 2016. That was Joey Hand, uh, Seb Bourdais, and Dirk Mueller. Sorry, I'm weird like that. It's all right. <laughs> you may be a geek, but you're our geek. Geek. I'm you're our dweeb. Yeah. When we love yep. you for it, yeah. I prefer nerd. Thank all you. right, nerd. All right, stats nerd. <laughs> you're our stats nerd and our arithmetical progression nerd. Okay. That's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to you at the weekend, yeah. Sounds good. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Uh, We're on the Midweek Motorsport Series 16, episode 39. Coming after us tonight, uh, HRN, uh, Historic Racing News Radio Show. But uh, uh, Tim, rather, do you have some news of tomorrow night's programmes? I will do later in the show. But first of all, I want to uh, remind the listener what a treat we had back in January. Right. Uh, when we covered the uh, UAE F4 Championship. Yeah. Um, Certified by the FIA and powered by a bath. And next year, it'll be even better. Really? Uh, Because Carlin have decided to enter. Oh, really? Mm. Hmm. And the fact that the UAE Championship is going to be running the same chassis uh, engine combination as the British Championship next year. has nothing whatsoever to do with that decision, I'm sure. Doesn't mm. give them a load of practice with a brand new car uh, that most of their rivals won't get. That's about your team, If you'd uh, like to get in touch with us, half an hour of tonight's show to go. Where would you like to go next, Tim? I'd like to welcome back Nick Damon to talk about Formula One. It's a very long season coming up. Well, this one's got a little bit longer with the addition of Qatar. Yes, no surprises there. We've known this is coming for ages. Any surprising Lizarre. thing is that the only surprising thing is that they're saying they're only going to run a one year at Lazar, have a year off, and then build a new track. Yeah, really? Yep. Hmm. They're not running in 2022 because it's it would clash or, or would be a similar sort of time as the World Cup, which of course is in Qatar next year. But when they come back in 23, there's a very good chance that they will build a completely new track, which is more F1 friendly. Because the it, the thought is that the current one is going to be a bit rubbish for, for F1 cars. I have it. No, I don't know. It was, it well, was we always built as an F1. It was never going to work as an F1 track. We had a GP2 no, race with uh, with uh, uh, Lazai about 10 years ago, and that was awful. It was built as an F1 track, though, and it isn't. It I mean, built it's built as a grade one track. That's different. Oh, uh, yeah, fair point. Yeah, fair point. Because it, it, w- which one was that in terms... So it was Dubai that got built first. Then Bahrain. Then, then Abu Dhabi. And, no, then Lusaya, no, then okay. Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi was the last one, wasn't it? Oh, well, no, because we've got um, Saudi Arabia there, haven't we? Let's not talk about that. Plus, it's not finished yet either. Well, you know. And they're struggling to get it finished in time. 
I'm sure they will, they will throw money and people at it. It'll be fine. Indeed. It works well as a motorcycle track, LaSalle, although you, um, there's an awful lot of corners one way, and then I think, it's, I think it's about turn six or turn seven, isn't it, before you turn left, which is Next a real speed, problem yeah. for, for motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's got an awful lot of corners and not enough straights and not enough heavy braking, so it's, um, it's going to be a procession. But no more so or less so than Zambort, which it was, it was marvellous. So there you go. Mm. Where does it fit into the calendar? Uh, penultimate round, isn't it? Is it penultimate round? Or is it, I can't, do you know, I can't remember whether it goes Qatar, Saudi Arabia, um, Abu Dhabi. Or it does, yes. Saudi Arabia, Qatar. Um, Rome, it, it's there. the week after Brazil, um, which oh, right, people so still before, think is going to happen. Before Saudi. Well, uh-huh. I don't know. They're saying that Brazil and Mexico are both coming off the red list for the UK soon, aren't they? Which is one of the big problems, is the logistics, the whole thing. Yes. Uh, and and weekend, on the day... Though, sorry, go ahead, Tim. This weekend, we're going to Turkey. As I said, we're starting our swings to despotic countries. Uh, what are Red Bull and, and doing? You can, and you can decide whether the circuit of America's full on that or not, depending on darling your own personal politics. Well, that's true, yes. It's in Texas. They kill babies. No, they don't kill babies there. That's right. That's uh, right. That's right. Very careful about that. Groundsmen are very particular. Um... Tell us about Turkey. Well, uh, there's a shortage, apparently, so everyone's gone out and bought the frozen ones. Yes, so the track will be frozen this weekend. <laughs> That's a, uh, a, yes. Apparently, if you want to sell anything in the UK now, what you tell everyone is there's going to be a shortage in time for Christmas and everyone idiotically panic buys what they can get. Yes. Um, as far as the Turkey track is concerned, they're obviously only hoping it's not going to be like last time when it was the time it was laid very late and hadn't fully cured and then it rained and it was cold so there was no grip well that did lead to a very interesting race um they've jet washed the track they've given it another name they said basically they've jet washed off the oil it's had another year to settle down so they're expecting more reasonable grip levels um but uh yeah well i mean it, it, the thing is it's, it is it, it has historically been a reasonably good track for overtaking it's been a very good track for, for, for the, the driver's feel um you know, I, I think it's a track which we don't really know whether it be a Red Bull or a Mercedes track. We've got a number of Red Bull tracks coming up. And, um, yeah, so there's, there's the constant underlying rumours that, that Lewis is going to have to take an, get an engine change. I personally think that they can eke it out till Mexico. They'll take it then because they ain't going to win in Mexico. And there are some long straight the altitude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what are Red they're, Bull they're, doing to celebrate them. this week? Um, they've painted their car, well, they painted their cars white, mm. or a white background rather than the usual black, stoke, dark blue background, because they're celebrating their divorce from Honda. But they are, of course, keeping they are, of course, keeping the kids uh, and the, <laughs> the, new app, and the engines. More importantly, yes. Well, the kids are the, the engines, engineers. aren't they? So there we are. Uh, what was what happened to Red Bull last time they ran a one-off special white livery? They blow up. Uh, no, it was uh, Brazil 2008, and uh, David Coulthard uh, went off at the first corner, almost taking both Williams with him, and uh, Mark Webber did finish, but didn't score any Oh, points. that was the Wings for Life, wasn't it? That was the Wings for Life it was, um, yes. livery, wasn't it? But then well no remembered. one really is going to remember that. It is not a big thing. Brazil 2008 has many other stories apart from that, on it? Yes. Uh Mercedes have run a one-off special white livery as well, haven't they? 
That went well, didn't it? That was uh, German Grand Prix. That was another wet race. Hockenheim, was it, in 2019? Uh, Yes, it was Hockenheim, yes. And it went horribly wrong. Yes. Uh, uh, Skidded off. That's right, yes. Lewis skidded off and hit the wall behind the safety car and then went went into the pits and waited for about a minute. Yes, then he he spun at full speed but carried on, but Valtteri spun at full speed and crashed, uh, but they still lucked into a couple of points because they got the Alfa Romeos are both excluded. We were talking earlier about uh, how Alpine are uh, running a sports car programme so that they don't have to sack people. Uh, Mercedes are going to go sailing. Yes, absolutely. It's, it, apparently, they take it. They decide that yeah, the way to do it is do it the Rod Stewart way, and we are sailing. Um, I think it's just a way of, uh, of offsetting some of the wages of their, of their um, uh, more senior people. And uh, honestly, mate, yeah, I'm designing this boat. Really? Yeah, yeah. Most of the time, I'm designing a boat. Well, you, yeah, it's not doing any other car whatsoever. Well, to, in so, fairness, though, Toto's admitted that. He said, we've got a lot of good people and we don't want them. We, want, we don't want to. What was it he said? We've got some very clever people because we don't employ stupid people, is what he actually said, which I thought was mega. That's fair enough. Uh, and he said, basically, we don't want to let go of them, for which reads, we don't want them to go anywhere else in Formula One. So we've given them something else to do. Um, and is it, who is it who's heading up the project? Oh, I, I do know. My brain's just died. Is on it me. James? Um, James Allison. James yeah. Allison yeah. yeah, it's James Allison who's who's had it heading up the project. Uh, this is all part of the tie tie up with um with Ineos, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, well it's it's part of the the, the, the Ineos boat, wasn't it? The sponsor of the last boat that wasn't particularly successful as I think the New Zealand has won again, didn't they? Um despite the best efforts of Ben Ainsley and it's sort of sort of half hearted. Sir Ben Ainsley, I'll have you know. Sorry, that's right, Sir Ben Ainsley. Um and what is Ben Ainsley's link with Formula One broadcasting? Ooh. Does he have a child who's working in it? No, he has a wife who used to work in it. Oh, really? Georgia Thompson. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Georgie Thompson. So he lives in between Ant and Deck. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Down on the river in London. How <laughs> funny, because she does actually live next door to one or both of them, because they live three doors apart, don't they? I don't know. She was with Deck, wasn't she? Uh, this is very parochial now, so let's uh, move on. Good point. What was Valtteri Bottas doing last weekend, John? Uh, Nick or John, if you know the answer, uh, can... skiing. It was doing something rallying because he's Finnish. It's Rally Finland. There's too much rally in this program already. Uh, he was in Finland, his home country, but not doing anything involved with rally. Uh, in fact, he was well judging done. a coffee roasting competition. <laughs> Excellent. As you do. I have um, no idea how you found that out, Tim, but that's a top story. I'm surprised we didn't leave. I'm surprised we didn't leave with that. Yes. We, we would have done if only we hadn't had that important British Superbike uh, story at the start. Uh, now, Nick, I know that you're not in the same room as me and we're talking over a, a link tonight, but. A distance. Uh, yeah, considerable distance. Um, I, I'm not detecting in your oh. voice that you're quaking with fear at the moment. I am, I am absolutely. Do you know what? I'm, I'm basically sitting around thinking how on earth am I going to get a new Sky Q box? Apparently, in very short supply. And, oh no! Uh, All uh, yeah, it's definitely, are. it's definitely, 
done. So I have a nightmare conversation with Sky tomorrow morning. I'm looking forward to that. So I'm quaking with fear at having to sit on a call to Sky tomorrow morning. Oh, yeah. They, they're they very good, their phone people. Um, but Consistently right at the top of the class. Bernie mm. Eccleston um, thinks yes. he should be quaking Is he with after fear. Me? Because? Really? Because of 23... What, Nick in particular? As, as he a said, Formula 1 I fan, think. yes. Oh, because, right, okay. I, uh, I think Nick should be quaking with fear. He told me right, to get off his now. grid once. Yes, he did. did. What are you doing? Oh, I'm like happy days. Who are you? Um, a, a 23 race calendar will scare away the loyal Formula One fans, Nick. He says. I don't think a 23 race calendar will affect the fans. It may much affect the teams and, most importantly, the mechanics. Um, the fans will probably go, well, that's quite good. I mean, I think, I think the number of races divides fans pretty evenly. Some want as many as possible, some want it to be more exclusive. The net effect is, if you're a fan, you'll watch them. And if you're a casual fan, you're more likely to fall over them. You've got 23 chances to fall over a race rather than 17 or 19. I, I, I accept, by the way, the fact that Formula One um, and Stefano Domenicali probably doesn't watch Good Morning Britain um, or Good Morning or whatever it's called this now. This morning. This morning, thank you. Um, but it did seem slightly yeah timing was great wasn't it um what's the word Gr- um uh it, it slightly was graunchy wasn't it that lando norris was on there talking about the mental health and how difficult it was because of all the pressures of all the motor racing and everything else that he and other people in, in f1 had to do and on the same day they announced a 23 race calendar that that yeah just it- didn't yeah. seem to chime with me. It didn't sit brilliantly, but we did know it was going to be 23 races. So, no, again, there was no surprise. Um, and, you know, every day you hear about some new place they want to go to. They, obviously, they first have to pass the um, the same test of Premier League. You remember Premier League? To get a Grand to get a, a Premier League director now, owner, you have to pass the fit and proper test. Well, obviously, to get a Grand Prix now, you have to pass the despotic test. Are you a democracy? No, you can't have a race. Do you have dodgy human rights? Well, you're halfway there. Uh, and you're straight in. Mm. Yeah, you forgot about the check and, as well. Well, the good thing about despots, they tend to be quite loaded, as the Paradise Papers told us this week. That's the what? Pandora. The Paradise Papers. Pandora, Pandora Papers. Uh, was para- Paradise was, was, was the previous Paradise lot. That was the previous lot. Oh, sorry, lot. I'm, I'm out of date with my embezzlement stories. I do <laughs> yes, apologise. Well, please do keep up. Oh, I've had another 100 million I've misplaced. <laughs> as you do. Yeah, and uh, we're going to get third cars as well, are we? No, we're not. No. <laughs> I love the, I love the way Nick, who undoubtedly he says that in a way that is so dismissive, but undoubtedly he's already spoken to people within the business who have said that's complete nonsense, Nick. It's never going to happen. Um, the, they, they have, they've made their own, they've made a rob for their own back. I keep, this, is, this is the fourth week in a row I've made, I've, I had to mention this, with this ridiculous, whatever it's called, dilution of, dilution fee that they, people, a new engine have to pay of 200 million. That's why people aren't going to enter. Having third cars isn't going to help. There's no, there are no teams in any danger of folding at the moment. Mm. So we'll always have 20 cars, um, with 140 million pound uh, budget cap, dollar for a budget cap coming in. There are plenty of people who are prepared to buy. If one of the other, te- one of the lower teams got into trouble, there are plenty of, p- of companies who are buy a going concern. Now they actually know how much they've got to spend. That was the problem with the expansion in 2010, which failed so miserably. Yeah. 
because they were told one thing and what actually happened was three times well, five times more they needed but now people know what they've got to spend they know what's happening for the next well, they know to 2026 now everything is going to happen um there's no danger going below 20 cars um there should be a chance to go above, but until they take away that £200 million sorry, entry fee, that's not going to happen. And what else uh, will they do in 2026 to attract Porsche and Audi? I don't know why they're so desperate to attract Porsche and Audi. I really don't. I think they might be a bit busy, don't you? Doing, like, winning Le Mans oh, no. any time. Not really. Cause the point about that is they haven't got to do anything, have they? It's so easy compared to how it used to be. You know, the LMDH is, is, you know, the piece of the proverbial, isn't it, compared to, to doing a proper prototype. I know they are proper, you know what I mean, your own bespoke prototype, sorry, not proper prototype. Um, but there was this obsession with getting with getting the VAG group in, uh, and the basic concept is they're going to rejig the engines, they're going to take away the NGUH, which is the heat regen uh, part of it, which is the complicated and difficult bit, and they think by doing that, um, they'll get an well, extra manufacturer. So I'll tell you, so, well, I'll tell you what's going to happen now, right? This is what's going to happen. And four years ahead, yeah, they'll get Volkswagen, they'll get Audi, but all Volkswagen and Audi are going to do is buy Red Bull's engine manufacturing. Do you think? You'll still have four companies. 100%. 100%. That's what will happen. No, you're not going to get an extra manufacturing base. You're just going to take over the one. Which, in fairness, Red Bull, they have... Absolutely, you've got to respect them for putting their money where their mouth is and building an engine manufacturing arrangement, which is literally just has no pull through for anyone. All the, at least all the other engine manufacturers make engines for cars. Mm. This is this is a, this is a, a, a soft a, drinks a, company. A, yeah, an engine drink company making engines. I mean, yeah, much as I criticise a lot of things that they do, well, the people involved, not what they do. This is very. I think this is this is you know exceptionally a good, a, a, a very good and almost kind of altruistic move in many ways because they probably could have bent the arm of somebody else to get a decent engine. I mean, the Ferrari engine be fine next year um but they've decided to go their own way to give the autonomy but what's going to happen in 25 years time of course they're going to sell it to somebody else and why would why would vag or audi start from scratch when they can just buy the stuff that effectively buy honda's ip which by that time will be old enough and have have, have lapsed so it won't be a problem i mean uh, this is this this chasing volkswagen volkswagen group has been an absolute dead end for f1 for i think at least 16 years and possibly 25 years. It's a pointless obsession, and I don't understand it. What they should try and do is get some Chinese firm to put some cash in, because they've got money coming out their ears. Yes. Wow. Sorry, I, I, I do have opinions on things. No, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm looking at something else entirely that's oh, okay. just dropped into me email. <laughs> Moving on. Um, should we move on Ooh, to MotoGP? Go on, then. Uh, say, yeah, we're at the Circuit of the Americas at the weekend, and they didn't like it, did we they, were. Nick? Some people some, didn't. No one liked it, but some people dealt with it better than others, going back to it's the same for everyone. It is um, the same for most everyone. Folk, and most folk, well, sometimes most, yeah. you don't like it, but you have to go along with it, don't you? So it just have to live with it, yeah. And, give, and given what those guys rode on back in the uh, late eighties and early nineties, um, this would seem like a carpet ride. I think some of those tracks. Um, yeah, well, that's, that's you know, obviously one of the most vocal opponents was Fabio Quattararo, but he still did what he needed to do and scored a hat full of points. I thought that was. Uh, a, I thought actually it was a very, very, and I'll use the word mature, but I did yeah. think it was a very mature 
ride from Quateraro. Yeah. Extraordinary ride by Mark Marquez, who won the race, but it's a left-handed circuit. Um, although, bizarrely, the hardest turns on the track are two right-handers, um, 15, 16, uh, 17, 16, 17, 18, and the long I, turn yeah, at, at I think it's, six it's, into yeah. seven. Marquez won it, but Quattro wasn't trying to win it. I'm not sure, not saying he could have done. Ducati managed to get themselves, I don't know what, they completely loused up somehow in between qualifying and Miller and Bagnaia. Miller had the wrong tyre on, Bagnaia couldn't make the thing work in the race, and so they got confused. And KTM have been on this really strange downward spiral for the last three months. So, you know, the, the fact is that the only decent rider with a half-decent bike won the race. And well done to him, it's very difficult when you're injured to do that. So, yeah, this is not to get anything away from him. Yeah. But the, the six, the six, yeah, the, the reason he won it by quite so much so, so comfortably because Cosmo realised that he was not at all interested in getting involved in a fight. Suddenly realised he could go quite a lot slower and guarantee second. And he's only what within ten point, twelve points of the championship or something. Mm. You know, he's, he's he's literally just got to stay on because even if he stay if he stays on, he'll get three sevenths, and he'll be fine. So you know, he's winning a championship. Uh, Marquez is, is yeah, he's, he's getting better, but he's he's got to show he can do it both ways, as they say. Um, and the rest of the field is kind of slowly doing what it's been doing for the past two years, with none of them are able to stick a run together. Yeah, I won't disagree with that. Uh, MotoGP have also announced the 2022 calendar, and uh, it has more races than ever before. Does it? I haven't seen this one. Ooh. Missed that. But I've missed some calendar news. I'm, you've, I'm... you've missed some big calendar news. Go on, please um, it for me. Uh, pre-season testing um, would only be five days, and that will be from the five days in between the 5th and 13th of February in Malaysia and then Indonesia. Oh, the new Indonesian track, okay. Which isn't finished yet either. Well, it doesn't have no, to be until that's... February. Yeah. Um, it does. It does. It's got a blue... It's got a... Uh, well, two bike race. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, well, two bike race for four weeks or five weeks there. <laughs> Not going to happen. Uh, so the season's well. going to kick off on the sixth of March in Qatar. Then they go to Indonesia for the race uh, at Sentul. No, Ooh. not Sentul. Mandalika. That's what it's called, isn't it? Sentul where you fall off. You can f- Probably. Sentinels where you, don't remember, Sentinels where you fall off on a snake. That's the one to remember about Sentinels. Yes. Uh, then Argentina, <laughs> uh, which yep. is back to back with me. the Circuit of the Americas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they come to Europe, starting in Portugal at Portimao, then Jerez, Le Mans, Mugello, yeah. Barcelona, <laughs> the Saxon Ring, and Assen. And then they go to the Kimi Ring on the 10th of July. Up in Finland. Yes, in Finland. Wow. It's finally, uh, it's finally got a decent race after all these when, years. Of when was MotoGP last in Finland? Oh, that's a great question. I'm going to say something like two, like 1984. 1982. <laughs> uh, and that's a halfway point of the season. Then they have a few weeks off and go to Silverstone. And then the Red Bull right. Ring. Um, When's the Silverstone, dear Tim? Sorry? That's, that's earlier, isn't it? 7th of August. So it is I was earlier. I say a little bit earlier. Not a lot earlier, just a little bit earlier. Yeah. It's uh, three weeks earlier, isn't it, than it was this year? Mm. Um, 21st of August for Austria at the Red Bull Ring. Then they go to Misano, then to Aragon, then to Mitegi, and then Thailand. Right. 
and then Australia and Malaysia, and they conclude in Valencia. Have I missed one Spanish one out there? Then you've got four Spanish ones. Uh, Jerez, Barcelona, Aragon, Valencia. Oh, blimey. Yeah, it looks like there's only four Spanish ones. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. What what MotoGP related happening happened last week in <laughs> uh, Michigan and specifically in Pontiac, Michigan? I have absolutely no idea. It was the inauguration or induction ceremony for the uh, Motorsport Hall of Fame of America. Ah, uh, Nicky and Hayden. Nicky Hayden became the 269th driver or rider to be inducted. Uh, and ah. also Judy Stropus was inducted as well. Well-known sports car timing and scoring. And Robin Miller as well was uh, inducted, I believe. Uh, rightly so. Uh, the significance of 269th for Nicky Hayden? 69 was well, his bike number. number yeah. It was indeed. Uh, Moto2. Tell us about that. Didn't see it. Didn't see it. John, did you see Moto2? Uh, yes. It it was all right. More oh, you're very down on Moto2, aren't you? Uh, I mean, Moto2 is horribly dull. The best race of the year for Moto2 I was trackside for. And I actually didn't realise that at the time. I quite enjoyed it trackside at Silverstone, but when I watched it back, it was awesome. Um, The the championship continues. Question for you, John. Basically. Mm. When you were watching it trackside, did you think, oh, Moto2's not as bad as I thought, the TV doesn't do it justice? Uh, Yes, to a point. To a point. It's still... It is still... the, The bikes sound awesome. When when they go past, because they're triples, if they go past in the right numbers, it sounds like if you closed your eyes, you would expect it to be a whole load of Porsches going by because it sounds like flat six engines. It's really bizarre, really bizarre. Um, But it is, uh, I I do think, I've said this before, and and I hate saying this because I, I, I don't mean this to sound horrible, but I can't help it. But it does look as though the guys aren't working so hard on the bikes because the bikes look lazy and it looks like a bit of a glorified it looks like a, a, a track day with people with race fairings on and i know that sound I, I know that sounds terribly dismissive and and the racing is actually you know it's it's a lot better than that it was ralph fernandez that won at the weekend and kept it his was. um championship hopes alive a- ahead of the um fantastically named Fabio de Gian Antonio uh, and making a, uh, an Italian 2-3 Marco Bezzecchi came home in third and how many the wins championship is that leader now for Fernandez Sigin how many wins is that now for Fernandez ooh good question is that four it's seven is it yes right. which uh, equals a record held since 2011 by who would Marquez Mark Marquez. Yes. Yeah, uh, Remy Gardner fell out. Three opportunities to beat that record. Remy Gardner. So, what does that do to the championship? I hear uh, you ask. 
uh, it means that Remy Gardner still leads, but now by only nine points ahead of Fernandez and Bezeki, with Sam Laws a distant third. 271, 262, 206 and 140. The big talking point, though, surely, was in Mortal 3, Nick. Yeah, uh, well, yes. Honestly, someone... I mean, that, this wasn't... This was a result of someone being an idiot. It wasn't... But, but, but then, of course, it had the the knock-on effect it did, which is red flag after a massive multi-bike accident. But I must have lost the name of the rider who caused it. He caused the accident. He's been banned because of it. But, it, of course, it's like a, a, a house of cards. When you, when, you, when you ping off one, you ping off another, and the whole lot go down. Uh, luckily, thankfully, no one got hurt this time. But they have got... I, I just don't understand how the FIM can just sit around doing nothing. Someone said it's because they have. I think it was you. Someone said they've abdicated all their responsibility to Dorna, and Dorna don't care about, don't have the same care for safety as the FIM should do. Mm. Um, Dorna's a bunch of. It's like saying, right, we're going to run. It's the promoters of an event. So it's like saying, right, well, the next we'll have some advertising agency, and they're going to run a hospital. Uh, the thing that that struck me. Um, uh, it was Dennis Onshue, by the way, who who cut across and and caused the incident. But three dri- three riders hitting unprotected arm core down a hundred and forty, mm. hundred and fifty mile an hour straight. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot. There was, yeah, there was a lot. But he's, he has been given a double race ban. That's a, that is a huge penalty. That is a huge penalty. Not just on mm. from the pit lane. Not just, um, but but you know what? And and and. Sit down, everybody. I think <laughs> I think that's unfair, and I'll tell you why I think it's okay, unfair. Go for it. I think that again, what we're seeing here is the consequence has yeah, been penalised yeah. and not the action. We see worse than that every week. We see riders deliberately bashing into each other, hitting mm. each other with hips and elbows. We've seen, you know. Uh, people leaning on each other in corners. We saw it in the same at the weekend. We saw it in um, in World Superbikes at, at, at Portimao, which we're going to run out of time to talk about, but was fantastic racing, was the best two-world racing of, of, of the weekend. And nothing happens if somebody doesn't fall off. Now, because three riders went down at 140 mile an hour and somebody was airborne for 40 metres or whatever it was, extraordinarily, Dennis Onchu, who is not a dirty rider, by the way, um, for Tech Tech 3, sorry, we've got to call it nowadays, um, none of them got injured. And the biggest thing that came out of the weekend from listening to riders, and I, I also listened to what Keith Hewitt had to say. Keith was was working on British Superbikes uh, at the weekend, but I listened to his podcast. And he's absolutely right in saying there's no respect and there has to be. Let's not forget, those of you with long memories like me will remember Keith Hewen as a rider. And he was a very decent rider as well on 250s. So he knows of what he speaks. Going down with these airbag suits, a few years ago, all three of those riders would have been really badly injured, Nick. Yeah. But, but because of the massive advances and praise be... In rider safety, they weren't. Um, but Dennis Onshu made a tiny mistake. He drifted across to the line when he hadn't cleared the other rider. And that was the catalyst for everything. Ironically, of course, he didn't come down. And, and it was three riders behind him that did. But, but Dennis Onshu's action isn't the problem. It's pack racing that's the problem. I, I understand to a certain extent, and I'm playing devil's advocate to myself here, 
why um, MotoGP and Moto3 have taken this action because of what's happened in the last few weeks and particularly what happened in Supersport 300 with another death of a young rider in a junior formula. Mm-hmm. But I've got to say that they're, they're not addressing the cause of the problem by banning Dennis Onshu for two races. No. No. Quick word about uh, World Superbikes. Uh, they happened. keep falling off. Oh. And they kept falling off. It was. And, there was some, uh, and again, there was, there was a, a lot of over aggressive overtaking yes. and going for gaps that didn't exist. Yes. Um, luckily, most people stayed on. And apart from um, Alvaro Bautista, who got taken up by Loris Baz in the last race, um, Johnny, Johnny Ray lost lost the bike twice. Mm. Uh, Top right lost it once, but that wasn't his fault. That was a bizarre thing. Yeah, I think the mud guard fell off. I don't know whether... Did some, you, I, no, I thought the tyre delaminated and took it off, but nobody's gone back to that. Um, no, I, but, but there's someone's saying that possibly the bashing and boring might have been the reason that things fell off, but mm. I don't know. But Somebody it was, it said was it weird. was the crosswind at that corner. That corner well, coming onto the, 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 the front straight yeah. was an issue for, for many people. But isn't it great, though, Nick, all that aside, isn't it great to see three riders at the front of, of mm. World Superbikes who have got an opportunity to win and are absolutely battling it out. Yeah, it was, it was interesting that there's a little narrative... Scott there did, as well. Did you see a little narrative change that started the last couple of weeks in that people are saying that, you know, um, the hamstringing they've given the Kawasaki over the past two or three years to, to peg back mm. the, the works team perhaps has gone too far. And it's now... He, you know, it's very much thought that if you look at that on the straight, it's pretty obvious that actually Johnny and the Kawasaki truck riders are actually racing with by far the the uh, the worst is the wrong word, but the most um, what's the word for it? Limited bike by the um, by the regulations. If you look at it, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, you, you it's not it's not like F1 where you know you decide to run more drag or not more drag so you can get more you know, more grip around the corners. It's the basic the thing is just short horsepower because it's been so hamstrung. And you look at the, the massive extra speed the Yamaha has, and the, and the double massive extra speed that the uh, Ducati had. It's just ridiculous. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to do something about that for next year. Uh, the difficulty is, isn't it? They are it's effectively a balance of performance category. And you, you're trying to balance apples and oranges in some respects. I think, I think they have overbalanced based on the fact... Well, it's fair enough, because you would do when, you, when one team won it. Not particularly difficultly, for, apart from for six years. Um, and I think it's noticeable now that it, it's, got, it's just gone too far. I'm not saying it would affect the results. I'm not saying it doesn't mean that Top Rack wouldn't win the championship, which is what he's going to do. I'm just saying that when it comes to next season, you've now got to think about, right, OK, we now have you know, a number of teams who can win. Therefore, we have to stop handicapping one of them quite so much. Yeah, and in fairness, again, there was a, another uh, rider who picked up points that was um, important for him. Um, I do think that um, Top Rat rode a very, very good race indeed. Uh, Tim, do you want to talk about Simcast tomorrow? And I'll talk about the uh, the uh, Creelsies podcast on the grid. Uh, well, tomorrow's SimCast is on at 8 o'clock and will be Ben and uh, Lewis, but they haven't told me what's on the show uh, ah. this week, so um, hopefully... Uh, uh, are, are they not doing a they're not doing a whole one-hour celebration of my team coming second in the Petit Le Mans split we're in? Almost certainly. Almost certainly. That. That's what you should do. Blow by blow. 
Uh, and we've got uh, Racing Dad on uh, on the grid at nine. <laughs> yes, this is Andy McIlray, uh, who is responsible for the craze of some of the best up-and-coming uh, young drivers, as well as his son. He'll be talking about balance his role as a dad, and also someone who uh, as someone who has a wealth of experience in running a race team during uh, various battles in the son, USA. Very much an Australian racing driver. Hunter McElroy, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very much a um, Venn diagram overlap there. Um, the way you said it, you suggested that his son wasn't, but yes, he very much is. Uh, no, and also, uh, I have finally a call to arms because there are only oh, 30 right. days to go and tickets are running out for the penultimate round of the British Rallycross Championship Five Nations Trophy presented by Cooper Tyres. November 6th and 7th at Lydon Hill in of the course. dark. Where else would it be? Uh, we talked about in the dark the other week. No, I, we I'm actually we really quite excited. And then we didn't. We just said in the dark. In the dark. I'm actually quite excited about it. What's the date of that? November the 6th. All right. Night after fireworks. Same weekend night. as the Water Hayes Trophy. Yeah, but it'll be, a, it'll be in the dark. So there'll be no Formula Fords running around at... Silverstone, will that? It's that also the true. same. It's well, it's also it's also the same day and time as the final VCO Grand Slam event of the year. It's Suzuka Ten Hours. Ah, yes. that may be more of a uh, a consideration. That's on the Sunday, though. The Suzuka. That's on the Saturday. Oh, Saturday. No, no, they got they, they, they ignore the dates on the uh, on oh, the uh, initial press release. They're, they're all out by a day. It's Saturday. The, it's Saturday the sixth. It's the week before Motil Patelamon. As well. So, uh, Simcasting on the grid tomorrow. Uh, coming up next, we have historic racing news radio show. We do. And Tim, have you got anything else to say? Good night. What's the llama doing? Uh, oh, oh, sorry. The llama is uh, buying a ticket for Lydon Hill, probably. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, subscribe to Midweek Motorsport wherever you get your podcasts.